The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Keep It A Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The Ace of Podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we'll review Fighting Spirit Unleashed Nights 2-6 through six of Super Junior Tag League. We'll also preview Power Struggle and cover all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the network's podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com, frequently updated and features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, welcome back to the show, man. I am here. 
And as I've learned in my absence, the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling never stops. <laughs> uh, that, that is very true. I, I know uh, Court likes to say that about uh, MLW, but it's definitely true uh, when it comes to New Japan. So we're reviewing nights two through six of the Super Grade Tag League. <laughs> the, uh, the Super uh, Junior Tag League, yep. All right. How many more nights are there? There are three more nights of tournament action left. I undershot my return. I should have come back next week when it was concluded, essentially. Yeah, that would have been the smart move. Come back, power struggle, you know, uh, John Moxley in action, uh, some big matches, Will and Shooter come back to review that show. Easy living. And I'm not even, I'm not even like, you know, talking bad on... Um, the tag league or anything like that, the, because it, I'm sure it's probably been good. Uh, it just would have been less. It'll be easier for me to get back in the swing of things if I just completely nixed the entire tour. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, in all seriousness, I haven't seen any of this. I haven't watched New Japan Pro Wrestling since uh, before Evil and. Um, Sonata locked it up for the world title. Yeah, that was a good place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, ha- had a vacation, came back, and I mean, you know, uh, unfortunately, I'm not Jeremy Donovan. I wasn't able to catch back up into the swing of things <laughs> the way that you did when you power- powered through the the end of the G1. So, uh, yeah, had a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, won't get into all of it, but. Essentially, I'm coming in blind, which, you know, I think after, what is this, our sixth year doing this show? Yeah, this is uh, episode 309. You know, after six years, I think I've earned the ability to, uh, you know, skip a little tour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, this uh, Junior Tag League tour, it's uh, been fast, furious. It's, yeah, it's going to be over uh, come this weekend with the Power Struggle show. The finals will be on that show so yeah really fast tour here what do they win uh they get the some trophies and a shot at wrestle kingdom against the uh, junior champions if the champions uh don't win cool <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm, the, the next question i'm thinking is who the fuck are the champions it's uh it's school club war dogs right yeah my dogs for real but I'm just taking a shot in the dark. I wasn't totally sure. <laughs> yeah, big Drilla Maloney and uh, Clark Connors. They've been doing great work in the tournament. Did you ever watch um, uh, Game of Thrones? I did not know. All right. Then, well, this is less effective. There's There was a kid. Like, I saw a photo of Drilla Maloney, and there's been somebody that he always, like, reminded me of. And it, I realized who it was. It, it's this character from um, Game of Thrones, but it's not going to be effective if you don't know who the character is. Mm. Maybe uh, our listeners would will get, will get the joke. And I, I let me see. I'll figure out who it is, and I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, before we jump into Super Junior Tag League, I wanted to talk about uh, NJPW Fighting Spirit Unleashed, which happened this past Saturday, October 28th, from Sam's Town Live, Las Vegas, Nevada. 
The show was live on Fight TV for English commentary and then Japanese commentary over at njpwworld.com. We had the debut of Walker Stewart doing English commentary on the show. He was in the booth with Veda Scott. Um, So we had a nice little show here. Uh, We had two pre-show matches, so they're doing this new uh, gimmick now called the Strong Survivor Match, where these are standouts from the NJPW Academy. And what it sounds like is whoever wins goes on to the next U.S. show and almost like defends their spot. So you kind of keep going until like somebody beats you and then that person moves on. Um, hmm. so, so that's a good thing they're doing here to try and showcase some of these academy students. So we had uh, Matt Vandergrift defeating Buck Skinner in the, the opening match there in a strong survivor. Uh, he won with a Matt won with a 450. Uh, and these were, was this actually part of the broadcast? This was the pre-show. So this was on uh, free on YouTube. Okay. But I mean, like you could watch it. Did you watch that pre-show? I, I did. Yeah. Okay, real quick before we get back to that, I found the character. So some people are going to think I'm crazy, but I'm just going to challenge you. Go find a photo of this character. His name is Robin Aaron. Let me show you a photo of this character, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see it. I could also- it's like Now, when that character first started in the show, he's like a snot-nosed kid, and then everyone was always talking about how at the end of the show he had this big glow-up. I think that... Uh, Drill Maloney is like the final evolved form of Robin Aaron, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I, I could definitely see it. The, that picture you showed me kind of looks like TJP a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, getting back to this, though, so what did you think of Matt Vandegrift and Buck Skinner? And does this make you want to watch the uh, LA showcases <laughs> at all? I mean, I thought they were fine. They had five minutes, um, kind of. In there, out there. Uh, Matt Vandergriff, he did look good. He uh, did a running shooting star press, did a finish with the 450, got the win. So he's doing flips. That's a win for me. Uh, but, it, I mean, it was fine. I mean, I, I would like to see maybe a little bit longer, see what they, I can do in a, a longer match setting. Uh, but for what it was here, it, it was fine. Mm, that doesn't sound too inspiring. <laughs> Uh, then after that, we had uh, a six-man tag, Team Filthy, Danny Limelight, Jarrell Nelson, and Royce Isaacs. They defeated the team of Balian Aki, Jacob Austin Young, and Titus Alexander, six minutes and 54 seconds. Balian Aki of Chaco Pro fame. <laughs> it was actually my uh, first time seeing him in action. Oh, you never you didn't watch him wrestle uh, Minoru Suzuki on the chocolate mat? No, I did not. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was pretty good. Um, Jacob Austin Young, we've seen on the weekly strong TV shows before that show ended. Tyus Alexander, he had the match with Will Ospreay. So three kind of really good independent talents here. But essentially, this was a, a showcase for Team Filthy. First time for a while, day in limelight, being back with those guys as well. Uh, but West Coast Wrecking Crew, they picked up the win and uh, built some momentum for what was going to happen later on in the night. So then from there, we opened up with the main card. We had a four-way match to determine the number one contender for the NJPW, NJPW Strong Openweight Championship. And my man, Satoshi Kojima, defeats Alex Coughlin, Fred Rosser, and Jeff Cobb. Nine minutes and 51 seconds to become the next challenger for the strong openweight title. 
Who'd they job? Coglin? Uh yeah. No, it was uh Rosser. Oh good. Um <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I was uh very surprised Kojima won here. I thought that they were gonna go either Rosser or Cobb, you know, Rosser being the only former strong champion in the match, and also Jeff Cobb being the most established, you know, pushed main roster guy. But yeah, out of nowhere, Kojima hits the strongest arm, Larry, on Rosser to get the pin and win the four-way. Nice. Then uh, after that, we had a uh, CMLL women's tag team match. Stephanie Vercur and Zeusis defeated Johnny Robbie and Yuvia in seven minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, Vercur and Zeusis, they are the CMLL uh, women's tag team champions. Vercur is the CMLL women's world champion. A uh, fun match here, essentially a uh, showcase match for uh, Vakir and Zeusis. Uh, Vakir gets the win with a uh, tilt-a-whirl backbreaker over the knee. And after the match, she uh, shows off her title. She gets on the mic and she calls out Mayu Iwatani for Lone Star Shootout coming up November 10th. Yeah, I see between this match and the other women's match on the card, 20 minutes of match time. That's a... Uh, that's a hefty chunk of the show, don't you think they're rock? <laughs> uh, well, if he's going to bring in uh, women like this, I'm totally fine with it. Uh, Vakur, she impressed a lot with the uh, the Manet match earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, she's sort of, um, you know, to those in the know, they, they've seen her and they've been exposed and they know that she's a talented commodity, but I still feel like she's a little bit of an unknown um, that's like pretty much ready to break out on the international scene. So good for her. Um, one good thing here, the, the stopwatch crowd, they're not going to be complaining about, you know, the fighting spirit unleashed. <laughs> That's right. You got a uh, plenty of uh, women's action here. Um, so good stuff. Vakir uh, going to challenge Mayu Iwatani. That should be um, a pretty fun matchup. Then uh, after that, we had of the Bullet Club War Dogs, Gabe Kidd defeating Filthy Tom Lawler, 12 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, this match was awesome. This was hard-hitting, strong style. These guys throwing blows, suplexes. It was a great suplex exchange in the, the middle of the match, exchanging uh, back suplexes. Uh, Gabe Kidd did the uh, Claudio Giant Swing. That was a cool. So, yeah, these guys, very hard hitting, uh, really going at each other. Um, Gabe Kidd, he uh, uses a uh, a ref bump. Well, I guess kind of the ref out of position to uh, hit a low blow. And then he hits uh, Tom Lawler with some championship that he stole from some indie and uh, got the then he hit his power driver and he got the pin. So some nice some heat there for Gabe Kidd as he's going to be facing uh, Will Ospreay next month in Rev Pro. So he's picking up some momentum, and uh, poor Filthy Tom here cheated out of a match. Uh, then after that, we had an interview backstage with Hyann, who was going to be challenging Julia later on. Gave a little promo there, and then it moved on to Atlantis's 40th anniversary match. So we had Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming up with Atlantis and Atlantis Jr. and Mystico to defeat Adrian Cress, Rocky Romero, Soberano Jr., and Tiger Mask, 10 minutes and 20 seconds. That sounds like the time when Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Sting, and Lex Luger teamed up for war games. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty uh, all-star, you know, baby face team here. 
Uh, they came out. They gave uh, Atlantis flowers to honor his 40-year anniversary. Our good friend Rocky did not like this. His team, they jumped the faces. They beat up Atlantis with the with the flowers. There's rose petals oh, all over the ring. <laughs> Kayfabe, Brock. This is different. This is not CMLL. What are we doing? You know, your baby face over here. Chaos. No, nah, he, he saw a mask. He, he didn't like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rose petals all over the ring for the whole match. Yeah, beat these guys with the rose petal. And essentially the beginning part of the match were, were the heels. Well, I guess kind of heels because, I mean, Silverano, Tiger Mask, and uh, Adrian Quest, I feel are kind of mainly faces. But for this match, they were, they were the heels in this match. And they were, they were getting the heat on Atlantis and Atlantis Jr. and Mystico. But then eventually the, the baby faces came back and it was kind of a house of fire and just really... Ran through the heels. There's a lot of miscommunication between Rocky Romero and Soberano. So I'm wondering if that's going to set up a match between those two guys at CMLL. And so ultimately, yeah, the baby faces just couldn't, or the heels couldn't get their act together. And the uh, faces got the win here. And so nice little celebration for um, Atlantis uh, for his 40th anniversary. And it was also uh, Rocky's birthday. So he was also not happy that, yeah, all the focus was, was on Atlantis's uh, anniversary match and not his birthday. <laughs> uh, then after that we had a We, uh, we did have a question there. Oh yep I almost missed that Yeah, So Oscar Rooney says is Rocky making a case This whole year as a challenger for the junior belt I think that's a very interesting question Because um, Even you know A few months ago Just before the G1 We'd had Rocky on the show and interviewed him uh, If you haven't checked that out Highly recommended episode 300 and even back then, you know, Rocky was definitely making headway in this run that he's, uh, you know, in the in the midst of in Mexico. But even then, with all the cool stuff he's been doing, it didn't necessarily feel like this is going to translate to anything to establish him in the kayfabe of New Japan necessarily. But, you know, with the kind of crossover with CMLL and AEW and kind of getting that on the national like stage. And then um, sort of just a lot more high profile stuff happening in the, in the West with like impact and ring of honor and AEW, and that all kind of being translated based on his boost from CMLL. I do think that there could hypothetically be uh, if new Japan's booking, you know, was smart about it, they could use this as a way to catapult him into, you know, uh, like a junior title run, the, the run that he's been wanting and that he's never been able to have. And, you know, part of, part of the handicap for why that's never been established is because, you know, there's a, there's a normal trajectory of how that would happen within the confines of new Japan pro wrestling, whether that's like winning a, uh, best of super juniors or going on a, a a massive run some other time of the year and it the stars have just never kind of aligned for rocky in in the past you know like decade but now that he's kind of found this acclaim on the outside it feels like that might be a wave that he could he could ride to potentially become a title challenger uh my only question is whether the domestic crowd is aware of this or if it even you know um, if New Japan needs to do a bit of promoting about what he what his activities outside of the company are right now. Yeah, definitely. I think there could be uh, more promoting of what Rocky's doing. You know, he, uh, he won the, the MLW middleweight championship, so he now has two titles. So I think there's a lot you could do to really elevate 
him and potentially challenge Hiromu. Um, so yeah, I definitely think Rocky should be a challenger in the near future. Yeah, it feels like that. It feels like that would be a really smart thing to do, especially with how mid this uh, Hiromu title is going right <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so uh, after that matchup, we had a uh, cinematic video of uh, a man drinking at a bar, throwing darts at a picture of Toriano. Mox. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it was not uh, John Moxley. It was uh, Joey Janela. He's coming to uh, New Japan in Texas. Lone Star Shootout, him versus Toriano. Josh, what are your thoughts on the bad boy coming to Shinihan? I don't know. It's fine. We've got, uh, you know, women wrestling on the show. So, I mean, there's no <laughs> sanctity in this company anymore. So, <laughs> no one's just playing. But, you know, they got Bruce Skinner and Vandegrift. You know, they can't be, you know, any worse than Joy Janela. So, <laughs> listen, I'm fine with it. Um, do I think Joey Janela should be pushed as a major commodity? Maybe, maybe not. Possibly. Maybe it gets over in Japan. I don't know. But, uh, if they ever bring him over, but as long as it's not um, uh, Sammy Callahan, like I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get. I know I've seen some people kind of throwing backlash about Joey coming into New Japan. Well, first of all, it's New Japan of America. Um, yeah, and I, I think for the America shows, I mean, you got to do stuff that draws and like it or not, Joey Janela has been draws for independent shows, GCW, uh, you know, his AW run kind of helped elevate his name. So, you know, people know who he is. I feel like he is uh, an attraction. You, you can throw him in a, a wild kind of garbage match, hardcore plunder match. He's going to do something crazy. That's going to go viral. So I think he's a guy that for this America brand you could use to help draw. Yeah. And I mean, there's a reason that they've got him in there with, uh, Toriano specifically, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's either going to be like a comedy match or maybe we get like Deathmatch Yano with the red hair and they do something kind of crazy plunder brawl. It, it'll be fun. It's nothing, you know, to get up in arms about. Or at least that's my opinion. Yeah. Now, if he, uh, you know, ends up in the G1 over like Filthy Tom, maybe we'll have some problems then. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a different story. But, but unless like he starts like, Remember when he was at, at the tail end of that uh, WWN run and he started wrestling good? Oh, yeah. He, he had some yeah, good matches at like an Evolve there as a champion. That's what I meant. Yeah, when he, yeah, when he was in Evolve as a WWN champion. Like, if he starts wrestling like that again, maybe, then maybe we could talk. Yeah. So, uh, after that, we had the NJPW Strong Women's Championship match. Julia defeated Hyan 12 minutes and 3 seconds. I am a uh, student of uh, Booker T there from the reality uh, wrestling school. Uh, thought it was a good back and forth matchup, kind of three and a half range there for me. Julia hits the Northern Lights bomb to get the win. Uh, I thought high end was a Joshi. <laughs> I had no clue who this person was. You know, I didn't know at all. Yeah. Yeah, she's kind of uh, one of the top women now in the independent scenes, uh, former trainer of, uh, like I said, trained by Booker T. She called out Julia at the last stardom show after uh, Julia had defended the strong title. Um, mm. So that's how this match got set up. Uh, we had a question from Solid, Solid Deuce. Says, Casuals who watch with me are often confused about the abundance of titles and the meanings of each. Julia's pink belt last night is one example. Do you think all these titles are needed? If not, what would you cut? 
Well, the pink title is a stardom title, so that's not necessarily part of the the hierarchy of New Japan Pro Wrestling's titles, though there there definitely is. Well, well he's talking about the the strong women's title. Oh, is that title pink? Yeah. Man, I I thought it was like a, a like a light blue purplish. It's like a pinkish purplish kind of color, I guess, depending maybe how your uh, TV's adjusted. Uh, but I think that's the, the title he was talking about. Okay, gotcha. Well, I mean, obviously, we we've, we've talked in the past about you know why are there two women's titles and uh, you know there's a a lot of discourse about that. We talked to Rocky about it. Uh, you know, going back to that aforementioned uh, interview, and yeah, if it were me, I would probably say at this point in time merge those two titles especially since you know i make jokes about women in new japan but that's just because they they didn't have women's wrestling for so many years but in all seriousness if if they are going to have a women's division um i don't see the necessity to have two women's titles i understand one's for strong and then one is the iwgp but the original pitch of what the IWGP title was even supposed to be. It was supposed to be a cross-branded title between New Japan and Stardom, and it would be defended on major shows for both companies. And that's not really happening so much. It's, at this point, it seems like it's not going to be defended on New Japan shows uh, hardly at all. And then the other aspect of the deal was that it would be featured heavily in North America. And I don't know if the strong brand, even though they're having some success, has been able to kind of ultimately at the end of the day, it seems like they're the third man to the other two when it comes to booking talent. And it's like, you know, you can imagine the headache that it probably is for Rocky to try to get like Rossi and Ghetto on the same (laughs) page when it comes to like arranging like who he can get when he can get them so probably the reason there's two women's titles right now is just because it's like i'll take who i can get when i can get them we want them to have a belt but realistically neither of these titles are being defended regularly in new japan not even on the big shows and this year for wrestle kingdom there's not even going to be wrestle kingdom (laughs) so yeah i think it is a little um pointless to have both belts it might be a good idea to just have one champion but at the same time it's these both got introduced in the past calendar year so uh i don't know it's like almost like such short notice to uh think about unifying two titles like they probably just shouldn't have done a strong title yeah and yeah we've talked about this several times on the show and i feel like overall the strong brand like Going away from the weekly TV to what's supposed to be kind of like these monthly pay-per-view things, I don't really feel like they needed to keep a lot of the strong branding and titles. Like, I feel like the draw should just be New Japan is coming to America. You bring your U.S. title over. You bring your heavyweight tag titles, your junior tag titles. You bring all the belts that people know and familiar with to your U.S. show and not create these strong titles, strong tag titles, women's titles. Well, the problem with that, Jeremy, is we were assuming based on the the verbiage at the time was like less quantity, more quality, that these shows were going to be bigger venues, higher level production and more Japanese, you know, domestic level stars. And there are there is some of that here. I mean, this is not a horrendous show by any means, but by and large, we have seen that these are not like the full New Japan experience. They are uniquely New Japan strong. 
And for better or for worse, I think in the long run, it's been better for them to just keep their strong branded titles because it's very clear that New Japan, like proper, doesn't have the intentions to send over their strong and or their uh, their like never champion and the U.S. champion and you know tag champs on a regular basis. Like that's just not in the cards for them. Right, and plus, a lot of times these shows are happening when there are tours happening. Uh, right, and I get we are on a, a junior heavy tour in Japan right now, but there's there's still some heavyweights on the undercard. Um, so not everybody was available to be sent over for this uh, big show. You have uh, you know Lone Star Shootout coming out pretty soon, so they're kind of doing these shows like in the middle of tours, right at the end of tours, where guys are burnt out and you, you can't send a ton of people over. Um, yeah, I think where some of the confusion is, like, I see the point of having the strong titles, but it becomes overkill when you're watching New Japan proper, and then you have the strong champions on there, plus all the other belts, which, let's be real, there's a lot of different titles in New Japan as well. Um, you know, so, I mean, even beyond just the, the question of the two women's titles, I mean, there's three tag team championships, there's the Never Six Man, there's the KOPW, there's the TV title, you know, the US, there's a lot of belts. Yeah. And then you mentioned too, when you bring in somebody like Julia, who holds um, the Stardom uh, Six Win, the Trios Championship. I that, def- that's what I thought he was referring to when he said yeah. the pink belt. I thought, because you know, those Trios belts are all different colors. Yeah. Maybe he was talking about that one too. Um, well, I didn't watch the show. I just assumed she had one of the pink, you know, Stardom belts. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to the Stardom belt, but she definitely, obviously, she had the strong women's title, and she did have one of the Stardom belts, but I didn't remember what color it was. Uh, oh, okay. But yeah, when you have yeah, outsiders coming in, and like Stephanie Recur, she had both her CMLL titles, uh, which, I mean, I'm fine with outsiders bringing their company's titles, but then I think for yeah, a casual fan, it can be kind of confusing on what all the titles are. Yeah. And it can be confusing, too, if you're you're watching on uh, the Japanese feed. So, you know, you should probably pony up and pay Fight TV for that English commentary. <laughs> yeah, Walker Stewart, man. He did a, a pretty good job. I was pretty impressed uh, with his commentary. He kind of has a uh, Ian Riccoboni vibe to him. Uh, kind of that professional kind of, you know, broadcastery news voice. Should have uh, called us. <laughs> uh, that that we have, we have professional sounding voices. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could do a commentate a whole show. That, that'd I be... could commentate a wrestling show. <laughs> That's nothing, you know. <laughs> I would suck. Uh, yeah, but I thought yeah, Walker and, and they they were a good team. I thought Walker did really good um, on the call. So yeah, he was good. So yeah, check out the English commentary for this if you haven't. Um, then following that matchup, we had the, uh, NJPW strong tag team titles on the lines, the gorillas of destiny, El Fantasmo and Hikaleo defeated monster sauce, Alex Zane and Lance Archer, nine minutes and 25 seconds. Yeah. A couple tours back. We're sitting here being like monster sauce, give, bring back monster sauce. This is going to be an incredible tag team. <laughs> they got them jobbing. To to God the fate the God two point yeah <laughs> yeah they did put on commentary yeah this was a uh, monster sauce is only their their second match teaming together um, they're getting a tag team title shot and you know they're already making claims to wanting to be in World Tag League which I would be fine with um, they had uh, new music for Monster Sauce team logo they're both nice. both wearing the red and black type of colors. 
Um, so I think they could do something with Monster Sauce. I, w- I would welcome them to World Tag League. They both got to do something. AEW's not pushing Archer. New Japan's barely using Zane. They need an avenue. And, you know, uh, Archer is no uh, stranger to basically being like, I don't have an avenue. We're going to fuck shit up in a tag team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you so- know what else I love about G.O.D.? Remember in the 90s, anytime like Vince brought in a, a team and he would just call them the new? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. new rockers. Is- yeah, the new rockers, the new, uh, you know, what what were some there was other ones i can't remember uh, well, new midnight express yeah the new midnight express and the new blackjacks like this is the new god lod 2000 <laughs> that was the same guys <laughs> <laughs> with just different gear oh man so yeah uh girls of destiny here this was a good back and forth matchup also you had um zane and phantasmo as the faster pace high flyers on the team and uh then the big man hikaleo and archer there's a cool spot where both Archer and Phantasmo did their their woke their rope walk spot at the same time and went face to face and uh, did, did a spot there that was pretty cool. Uh, but ultimately, at the end, uh, it was ELP hitting the uh, Thunder Kiss uh, eighty six on Alex Zane to get the win here. So God retains. And then post match, we had uh, Nelson and Isaacs West Coast Wrecking Crew. They came out and attacked Phantasmo and Hikaleo. Got on the mic and said they're tired of these thrown together tag teams uh, being featured on strong. They built the division. They've never been strong champions. So they're, they're calling out uh god for Lone Star shootout. I hope they win. Cause like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if those guys fail at winning these titles again, like, I don't know, bro. Like maybe somebody else should sign them or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I felt like the whole reason they made strong titles were for West Coast Wrecking Crew, and then also that they went with Aussie Open uh, instead. Um, and now these guys have just kind of been lingering around. They haven't won the titles yet. You know, yeah, they threw it here on ELP and Phantasmo. Uh, the War Dogs are the champions before them. So, yeah, hopefully uh, come Lone Star Shootout, they can uh, finally capture these strong uh, tag team titles. Then uh, after that, we had the NJPW Strong Openweight title on the line. Eddie Kingston defeats Hanare, 12 minutes and 42 seconds. Uh, this was a another good, very hard-hitting matchup here. Lots of great uh, T-bone suplexes were thrown as a match. Both these guys were dropping each other on their head with T-bone suplexes. Uh, lots of great near falls. Eddie had a, a great uh, spinning back fist uh, near fall where he collapsed on Hanare. Hanare was able to uh, kick out. Uh, they exchange some more suplexes. Eddie once again hits uh, two spinning back fists, back fists and uh, gets the win there and retains the title. And then after that, Satoshi Kojima gets in the ring. He says, congratulations, Mr. Eddie Kingston. You are very strong, but I love bread. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> then he says, next time, Dallas, Texas, I will kick your ass. <laughs> and, uh, and Eddie uh, said, all right, I'll see you in Texas. So... Crowd pop big for that, so it's official. Bread Club, Satoshi Kojima coming to Texas to take on Eddie Kingston. All right, since we're on the subject, let me ask you. Eddie Kingston is the dual champion. He's got the ROH title as well as the New Japan Strong Openweight title. I'm guessing that he's probably not going to be allowed to do any real jobs as the strong champion 
until he drops that ROH title. Would wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So I mean, like, what are we looking at here? Like, what's the timetable on this whole thing? I don't know. We got uh, the next ROH pay per view is coming up uh, December thirteenth, sixteenth, somewhere in that range. Final battle. So I'm assuming he will defend the title on that show. Maybe he drops the ROH title there, and then uh, maybe he can drop a strong title after that. Maybe. I mean, does it matter to you that that you know he's kind of like hamstrung for the time being and just has to remain champion or? Uh, I think I'm fine with it because it's a strong title. Um, you know, there's not, there hasn't been frequent strong shows uh, as as much as previous years, and again, very similar to Joey Janela in a way, but probably even a better case of Eddie Kingston's a big draw, big pop. You know, he's a very popular guy. Anytime he's on these New Japan shows, he's getting one of the loudest pops. So I think he's a great guy to help attract, especially you know your AEW fan or your casual US wrestling fan uh, to a New Japan show. Yeah, I remember John Moxley held the uh, the GCW World Title concurrently with the World Title, I believe. Um, but the difference there was like he wasn't allowed to drop the GCW Title till after he lost the AEW title and then they never they never had him bringing the or acknowledged that he was GCW champion on AEW television but he brings out that strong title pretty pretty often on AEW so you know I, I don't I mean unless they found a, a workaround maybe like a multi-man match where he doesn't take the pinfall they could ha- maybe have him drop it that way if needed but it does sort of feel like the title will be you know, held up until he, you know, loses the ROH belt. Yeah. And also, I feel like he's a big enough star where they might even want to do something at Wrestle Kingdom uh, with him and the strong title. So potentially you could do something there. Maybe by then he loses the ROH belt and then he could do like a, a cool match at the, at the Tokyo Dome. I almost feel like there's more cachet in defending the ROH title, like maybe as a dual thing or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we've obviously yeah, we've seen the ROH title uh, in past years uh, defended at the Tokyo Dome. So yeah, he, he could do a uh, double title match. So uh, after that matchup, we had the team of Sonata and Yuya Uemura of just five guys. They went to a 20-minute time limit draw with Hiromu Takahashi and Tetsuya Naito. Uemura, the guy from Impact? <laughs> yeah, the uh, Joe Hendry's uh, tag team partner. Yeah, what? 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 What's here? <laughs> uh, yeah, since you've been gone, yeah, uh, the Heat Storm, Yuyomura, he's back from excursion. He's the the fifth man in Just Five Guys. I don't know if you heard, uh, but they said that that nickname Heat Storm is literally coined to be the opposite of Cold Skull. Mm, interesting. No, I didn't catch that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you know there there has been some interactions between Sonata and Yamora. Clearly, Yamora wants to to be you know the world's champion. Um, it's almost it kind of reminds me of a a Jay White in Chaos kind of situation. Maybe not as like heel heelish as that, but Yamora he wants to wrestle all the guys and just five guys. Um, he has clear intentions to want to be world champion. Very similar to Jay, kind of wanting interfaction matches and was gunning for Okada at the time. So kind of interesting uh, alignment there. Well, I mean, that's not that far off from what we saw with uh, Yotasuji when he first arrived in LIJ. And there seems not that there's 
inner turmoil, but there's definitely a competitive drive uh, between him and Naito and, and Shingo as to like, who is the top dog in that, in that group. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these guys, they wrestled here to a 20 uh, minute draw. Also, this is a preview match for the Tokyo dome. Sonata's is going to be defending the title against Tetsuya Naito. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, we had T-shirt Naito here. <laughs> <That was fine. laughs> uh, you know, I'm not super excited about Naito. It's not at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, yeah, T-shirt Naito. This was like, you know almost like a house show kind of style tag team match. I mean, Yuya looked was probably the one who looked the best uh, out of these uh, four guys. And uh, you I know, mean, I'm I'm looking at cage match. It looks like this is a three and a quarter special. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and twenty minutes of it. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, I could have done without this match, uh, but also you want to get your uh, Lij representation. Naito's a huge star. Uh, you you want to build excitement for the Tokyo Dome, but I don't really think this match accomplished that. Hmm. And we had a question from uh, Death Triangle 720. It says, with the recent preview matches between Sonata and Naito, does it feel like there's a holding pattern with no new development in the story? As somebody who's watched all of them and is an authority on the feud, I will say yes, you're correct. <laughs> well, uh, it's pretty much been what happened here. These guys have been wrestling in uh, a lot of tag time limit draws on, on tours. Um, they had one last week on the, the Power Struggle or Power Struggle Tour. Um, so essentially, there really hasn't been anybody getting the advantage over anybody. They did have the match at, uh, there was a tag match at Royal Quest 3, where uh, Naito's team won, and post-match, you know, Naito threw Sonata out like he was a jobber out of the ring. Um, so yeah, they're just not doing a ton right now to really amp this up. Um, like I was saying, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, I feel like they they, they should really try to make this a, a more personal uh, you know, heat field rivalry, but instead it's kind of the goofy Naito has a tote bag, Sonata's not showing any fire. Um, yeah. You made it sound worse now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, Bro, it's a good thing we don't work for the company. Could you imagine trying to hype this shit up? Like, you know. <laughs> Ugh. I mean, if if uh, Barry wants to cut a check, I'll I'll, I'll change my tune real quick. <laughs> uh, so you don't understand the deep ties between Sonata and Naito, his pareja. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, lots lots of lore there uh, between these guys. Um, but yeah, they're they're not doing a ton of these uh, you know preview matches, and man, we still got some time till January. Sonata's not defending the title of Power Struggle. It's going to be a preview mania of tag matches for these guys until January. Do you remember last year when the main event was Okada and Jay White? And we were like, damn, Jay White's nowhere to be seen. This sucks. They should be building this up. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. This year, it's going to feel like, damn, they're doing a lot of Sonata and Naito. They should probably <laughs> calm the fuck down. Sonata should probably just take, you know, November, December take- off. <laughs> Did you um do you did you ever hear about when Ronnie Garvin um was the champion and he beat Ric Flair? Uh, I think I've heard Dave talking about that. So basically, long story short, Ronnie Garvin was a very popular upper mid Carter 
that they did a impromptu title switch and had him win the belt from Flair before Starcade, and like the fans rejected it like wholeheartedly. Like they did not. They saw this guy as a really good chaser, but they did not see him as like a uh, like an actual championship material. And like the reactions were so bad to him as a babyface, and like and everything that they took him off the tour like the entire like last month and a half damn before <laughs> before he went to chicago and dropped the belt back to uh to flair at starcade like maybe they should just go that route with sonata you know what i mean like you know take a break you know rest up and maybe they should just have them like do training videos like they're brett and sean before wrestlemania 12 that's all we need to see we don't need to see them wrestle you know right yeah just Get footage of the LIJ dojo, the uh, Just Five Guys dojo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just just have Sonata do a you know two month media tour uh, around, <laughs> around the world. But he's better at that than he is at you know other stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Hiromu is also also the uh, the DDT Iron Man twenty four seven champion. So um, after this match, uh, Dane Limelight ran out. On the stage to try and pin Hiromu He had his own ref uh, Got some near falls but Hiromu uh, Scrambled off uh, to the backstage where, where I believe he lost the title to an iPhone uh, 15 14, 14. <laughs> yeah. yeah he got beat by a phone That's yeah. that's that's um you know That's like top notch from ghetto he's like Alright well if Hiromu's gonna lose it, It's not gonna beat any of your You know your Fucking crusty ass wrestlers. I'll let him <laughs> loose to a phone. Yeah, Hiromu should have uh, got some tips from Ibushi. Remember when he was uh, out here moonsaulting on phones? <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't remember that. Like he would, like that is his uh, phone up on the cra- on the ground, like do the moonsault on onto the the phone. No, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot which match it was, but like he was like training and coming back, and then he uh, yeah he was had the the phone in his ring. <laughs> Yo, real quick, since, you know, he's here, this man fucking Hiromu, since Best of the Super Juniors has worked Tradition, he's worked Noah, he's worked All Japan, he's worked fucking Ring of Honor, Dragon Gate, Glate, Freedom, CMLL, um, like literally everywhere, bro, like Michinoku Pro, DDT, this dude has been all over, and some of these matches he's had on paper are dream matches, you know? You know, Junior Hayato and, um, you know, uh, fucking Yamato and different people like that. He he wrestled Mystico. And, you know, you'd be looking at it and thinking like, damn, this dude, you know, during the G1, he didn't take any time off. He got out there and was about it. Except for all these matches fucking suck. They're all three-star specials. What the fuck is Hiromu doing? (laughs) He's mailing it in, man. Like, yeah, I don't get it. Like, if you're going to go and wrestle Mystico and Rising Hayato and all that shit, like, why isn't he having good matches? And why isn't he defending the title? He's at, like, six defenses, and it's been a year. Bro, he should have been, like, defending this shit. I was, like, a little shocked, like, at the three-way with him, uh, Yo, and Speedball, and, and Charlton's like, yeah, this is six defense or whatever. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and by all accounts that match wasn't anything that you'd expect it to be either so like it's so crazy because by the time the g or uh super juniors was over it felt like uh Hiromu was like a wrestler of your candidate and it feels like the drop-off 
and the apathy has like it's a stark drop off since May. Yeah, um, I feel like yeah he had he had his uh, super juniors and he's like all right I'm good for the rest of the year I'm just gonna go out go around Japan have some gentlemen threes I'll throw uh, some junior festival festivals in Japan and America just have some fun matchups and that's what he's been doing. That's what I'm wondering like if if him working all these other places are like the make good for letting these companies be part of the uh the junior festival like you know you send your guys to us for the festival and then Hiroma will come work a show for you guys yeah but, and maybe that's the case yeah but i mean like he's he's you know at he's topping out at three and a half which is okay i guess but it's like you know you're working some of the top aces and and top names of all these different companies around the world, you would think that he'd be going out there and putting on bangers. And we'd be talking about all these excursion of the match contenders. This dude, bro, none of these matches are getting nominated period. Like they're not up there. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then uh, that took us to the main event of the show. It was for the never open weight title. The dragon Shingo Takagi defeats Tama Tonga to become the new never champion third time for Shingo Takagi. Well, it appears, you know, someone decided that Shingo as champion again is what's best for business. And I can't disagree. Yeah, Takagi time, baby. Um, so this was uh, all playing up from their G1 match at the 20 minute time limit draw. In the G1, Shingo challenged Tama uh, after his match at Royal Quest 3. Um, so that's how we got here. And, um, you know, they were questioning, you know, will these guys be able to go past, you know, the time limit? Of course, they had our uh, time limit here. Uh, but very good uh, back and forth. Another uh, hard-hitting match on this show. Lots of uh, great near falls. Shingo uh, hit a gun stun of his own. That was uh, pretty cool for uh, a near fall. Um, but yeah, these guys kind of exchange a lot of their big signature moves and, uh, towards the end here, Shingo killed, uh, Tamatonga with a great pumping bomber. He's the, uh, the Noshigami, uh, gory bomb made in Japan, hitting all the big stuff. Uh, Tama tried to come back with, with a tongue and twist and, uh, his, uh, his big implant, implant, uh, DT move, but, uh, Shingo overpowered him and eventually, uh, got him up for the, uh, last of the dragon and got the win and he is the, the new champ. So Tama loses in his first defense, uh, Shingo, uh, third time champ after the match, he gets the mic cutting a promo saying it's his time. Um, fans chant, you deserve it. And Shingo's asking who's next. He asks anybody in the back to, to come out. Nobody comes out. He says, fine, maybe I'll wait till I go to Japan. Um, but then the lights go out and a video plays on the Tron and it is Trent Beretta of AEW. He challenges Shingo for the title at Lone Star Shootout. How do you think he knew? Well, he didn't say any names. He just said, you, me, title, Texas. Now, that was kind of what he said. He never called out Shingo specifically. So, had Tama won, he would have the video was still would have played and it would have made sense. Who did he have to pay to get them to play that video, you think? Like, you know what I mean? Like Well, I mean, he's friends with Rocky. I mean, that's chaos, best friends. That's who it fucking was. Rocky <laughs> That sly dog. He's like, bro, Trent, just just do a just do a video. Don't say names. 
I'll get you a towel shot. Just we'll, we'll play it after the main. You got you either get Chingo or Tamla in Texas. It'll be all good. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I'm looking on cage match. It looks like this was easily the match of the night. Biggest complaint I see is just the length of the match and maybe maybe some of the slower uh, work in the early portions of the match. But overall, it looks like this was about what like a four star match and probably match of the night. Yeah, like four, four and a quarter. Uh, I think they definitely could have cut down time a little bit, especially coming after that 20-minute time limit draw. I mean, overall, the show with the pre-show was like four hours. Um, Mm. So, yeah, by this point in in the show, it's like, all right, like, let's wrap this thing up. Um, I think if if they had cut, like, the 20-minute draw with uh, Naito and Sonata and maybe, like, I don't know, cut the... The Atlantis match or another match. Like I feel like this match, this show could have been a little bit shorter, but overall, yeah, Shingo Tamatong, I would say, yeah, was the the match of the night. Uh great hard hitting action there. Shingo back as never champ. And we had some questions here. Uh Rainbow and Sam Pig, were you surprised that the never title flipped so quickly? Does Shingo winning that reduce the likelihood of a tag league victory for Suji? Um, I would say yeah, it probably does, but I don't think it completely eliminates that prospect yeah agree if you um i was a little surprised shingo won but i mean if if we sure if we run the stats i know the never title is usually a title that flips uh hands very quickly um Mm -hmm. off the first defense so that's not so surprising but i mean tama did just win it back uh but yeah very happy shingo won and yeah i agree if you it does kind of lower the chance of him and suji uh winning world tag league he also asked, it seems that there have been uh, more AEW talents becoming involved in NJPW storylines this fall. Trent, Moxley, Claudio, Danielson, and Kingston are all in the mix. Will this lead to too much outside involvement at Wrestle Kingdom? I don't think so, because ultimately, um, you know, the amount of people that are going to be allowed to work uh, Wrestle Kingdom is going to be dependent on what AEW allows for their talents to cross over. and. Typically, January 4th, uh, you know, falls right around the time of one of the biggest, you know, that first big AEW Dynamite of the year. And there's a lot of big names that they can't, um, you know, afford to not have on the show. So um, I'm not thinking that I I do think that there will be some involvement, but I'm not concerned that you're going to see, you know, five or six dudes from AEW, you know, populating the, the show or anything like that. Yeah, and uh, January fourth is a Thursday this year, so I mean you have when you have Dynamite the Wednesday before. Like, will people be able to get to Japan in time? Maybe you know I don't think a, a bunch of people. No. Can, yeah, they, they, a bunch of people can't miss Dynamite. So yeah, I think we'll get maybe one or two kind of big matchups, um, and then that'll be it. I agree. Um, we had a similar question here from Death Triangle about Suji and Shingo winning World Tag League. Um, then Les Commission 72 by 2 says, with Shingo win against against Tama, same thing here. Do we see Shingo and Suji in Tag League? And if they do, still win it? If not, would you like the idea of Suji facing Saber at Wrestle Kingdom for the NJPW World TV belt and wins? And Saber had already defeated Narita and Umino. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I definitely think that they should start thinking about Zack Sabre dropping that title uh, potentially. And I would like it for, 
for to be one of the younger talents in the company since that was the purpose of and intent of the belt to begin with. Um, it'd be fine if it's Suji. Obviously, I'm a Suji guy, and so if that were if it were up to me, that's what I would do, especially since it looks like Umino might be busy. But um, you know, who knows? Maybe hypothetically, maybe you go back to Narita a year later, um, where he he first dropped the ball against uh Saber. Maybe you run that back and he he finally, you know, beats him. Yeah, and the kind of story that they've been telling on commentary on this Power Struggles tour is uh, Narita's kind of been the odd man out on for, as far as, like, early big showcase matches, and now um, Umino's challenging Osprey again. You know, uh, Suji just had the Osprey match, and these guys, you know, Suji and Umino are, are having big title matches against big opponents. You know, Suji faced Sonata, and Narita really hasn't had... I mean, the, the Sabre match is probably the quote-unquote biggest match he's had since coming back from excursion. Um, so yeah, you could have him kind of get back to square one there, beat Saber, and then try to catch up to Ubino and Suji. Uh let's see. Next question's here from Death Triangle 720. With the fighting spirit unleashed show finished, did either of you feel like the show just lacked any importance? <laughs> well, I didn't watch the show. But I can tell you right now, from the outside looking in, the pro- the show looks good on paper. It looks like it was probably pretty entertaining. But with the fact that there were very few like blowaway matches and it's a four-hour show and, you know, there are some things that further um, New Japan storylines, but they're all pretty low level aside from what happened in the main event. It doesn't seem to be like something that was can't miss. Yeah, there was not a ton of buzz online for the show. I mean, it was start. It started at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time. The show was in Las Vegas, um, smaller building. Not a ton of huge matches really advertised. Plus, it, it's Saturday night. Um, a lot of wrestling fan, fans are watching Collision, Kenny versus uh, MJF, and then plus you, you got college football. Um, it's also the Saturday before Halloween. Halloween. I, yeah, you know that I was out. <laughs> yeah, I was out, so I, I didn't watch this show live. I watched it the next day. So yeah, where were you, by the way? I was at uh, Water Street. What is that? Uh, this place uh, close by Channel Side. They had this like water uh, art installation thing where it made it feel like you were like walking underwater. Yeah, I saw it. it Look cool, bro. How come you never invite me to this shit? Like, <laughs> what the fuck. It was just a double date, man. Just just me and the lady, or just well, not double date, just a date. Just me and the lady. I was gonna say, just you and your wife is not a double date. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is. It, it, it could have been a double date. It, it could have been, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just uh, me and the lady doing something, just fun, something fun. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next question here, uh, last commission seven two. Actually, no, another question from Death Triangle says, "Do you guys think it'd be smart for New Japan to cut the U.S. shows down to five big shows, or cut the U.S. shows completely?" And focus on the Japanese market in 2024. It's hard to say because I don't know the inner workings of the business relationship necessarily between New Japan Strong uh, and New Japan. I think some of the the comments that Rocky made during the interview um, on our show was very interesting. It almost seemed and sounded like he was alluding to the idea that New Japan Strong is a separate business entity. Um, 
which which at the time was very you know uh kind of got my attention so it's hard to say what new japan should be doing in this market moving forward it's it's hard for me to tell them what the the keys to success are but i mean if it was in a perfect world you know i think that if they were able to just run a couple big shows with high level production value and they could draw large crowds that would be ideal something similar like remember the chicago show with the the four-way where juice won the title yeah yeah capital i think or was that capital collision Oh, that was Capital Collision. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of the other one. The, uh, when Mox wrestled Osprey, Osprey in Chicago. Uh, uh, Windy City Riot. The Windy City Riot. That was a show that had, like, very good production and uh, drew pretty well. But I would like to see them in buildings like that as opposed to, like, you know, with these strong shows, like 800, that's cool. But, you know, I just for me personally as a fan, I'd be more um, excited to see them do bigger level production shows. Yeah, and I think, too, like, one of the, the cool things about New Japan coming to America was you, you didn't get it very often. There was a, a novelty of like, oh man, like New Japan's coming to America like a few times a year. Like I have to be there or I'm not going to ever like see them live. I have to go to Japan to like watch them live. Um, so I get like them wanting to do multiple shows and really break into the market. But I'm always almost wondering if they should kind of go back to the old tactic. They only come over here couple times a year and it's like like i said bigger shows it's like all right we're, we're coming to these three cities this year that's it like if you want to see new japan or america you have to be here we're going to run a build, bigger building uh better production it's going to be you know will osprey okada you know naito in the main event of these shows i mean yeah when when the big names are involved there's a lot more prestige and importance and they they do better business and you know from a fan perspective i like that better but uh again i don't know what the the inner workings of the business side of all this is to begin it you know to begin with yeah uh next question here from west commission 7252 did y'all moan and sorrow as well about joey janela coming to new japan it's fine (laughs) you know i'll be honest i do i like joey janela now i'm not like a gcw fiend or anything like that but like I think sometimes when he does comedy matches, it's funny and he does the death match shit. And, uh, you know, to me, do I want to see Joey Janela in new Japan proper? No, but like, I don't, I kind of don't think of new Japan strong as new Japan anymore. Really? Uh, mm. To me, it's new Japan of America. It's a, a little bit different. Yeah. And I think they've kind of, we've seen that with, yeah, some of the, some of the guys they've booked and some of the style of matches they have done. Um, so yeah, I'm fine with Joey being on, on strong. Uh, then Death Triangle 720 says, uh, with Super Junior Tag League, how do you feel about the tournament so far? So that will uh, take us into our talking about Super Junior Tag League. Um, and I feel so far, like I mentioned at the top of the show, it's, it's been a, a very fast-paced uh, tournament. We got uh, three shows left. Uh, I feel like there's been a show every day for this tour. But yeah, I mean, it's been a fun tour of watch, but it's just been... Um, a very fast-paced tour. Yeah, honestly, that's part of the reason why I'm so far behind is because I already had the two big shows that I hadn't seen. And then, you know, to get back in the swing of things with work and, you know, studies and life and everything like that. And then it's like, you know, 
junior tackling, junior tackling, junior tackling, junior. It's like, oh shit, like I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they were thinking with this uh these tournament dates. Yeah, and the last three shows are all, you know, this week before power struggle. So by the time you're hearing this, there'll be an, another show happening. <laughs> so um we'll go through the rankings here. Um I'll list the, the matches for, for each team and then just kind of give my quick thoughts on how I feel each team um, has been doing thus far. Kind of any story elements I've noticed in the tournament. Um, so first team here that's in uh, first place as of this record- recording, El Desperado and Master Watto. They have 10 points. They are 5-1. Night 2, they lost to Musashi and Yo. And then they went on a, a winning streak from there. Night 3, defeating Bushi and Teton. Night 4, defeating Ichiban Sweet Boys. Night five, they defeated the champions of Clark Connors and Drill Maloney. And then at night six, they defeated the former champs, the Jet Setters. Um, so I listened to a little bit of last week's show, and you mentioned at the beginning of the tour that Desperado, and, you know, I, again, I missed all this, but it seems like there's an alliance between Team Nagata and Team Strong Style. Um and now Watto and Desperado are sort of coexisting. But you'd mentioned last week that there was it was still very much like a tentative. There was like a, you know, not mutually respect between the two guys. How has that progressed throughout the tour? Is it still kind of, you know, the same or has anything changed? Yeah, so that's pretty much been the story of these guys. Like, Watto really wants Desperado's respect. He wants a team with them. He has a, a team t-shirt. Every night he tries to get Despy to wear. Despy doesn't want to wear it. Um, there were some nights where, like, Watto's music would play first, and Despy wouldn't want to come out to Watto's music. He would wait till his music plays. So there's kind of been this kind of weird dynamic uh, between them. But then it seems like after they, they lost to, to Yo and Musashi, they really started clicking more and kind of building more of a chemistry uh, in their tag matches in Watto. Uh, really trying to prove himself to Desperado um, and being there to, to make saves for Despy or getting the pinfall in some of these matches. So they've really kind of gelled together in rings a team, but outside, like, Despy doesn't want to wear the shirt. He doesn't want to come out to Watto's music. Um, the the Knights, uh, what show was it? Uh, the Night 5 show, uh, there was a spot where he got his mask ripped off and... Um, he ended up having to wear the shirt over his face <laughs> to cover up uh, his mask being off. So in a way, he kind of finally wore the short there, shirt there. But uh, yeah, the that, relationship reminds me of the one that we have on this show. <laughs> really? So who, who's Despy? Who's Watto? I'm Despy. You're Watto. You're always working for my respect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, looking at. Um, you know, again, I'm just kind of looking at cage match. It doesn't look like there's been too many like standout matches from this tournament, realistically. Yeah, most of the matches are like your your three and a half to three point seven five range. Uh, probably a few uh, four star notebook matchups from this run. Uh, from these guys, I really like Despi and Watto against uh, Bushi and Teton from Night Three. Um, that was a really fun matchup there. Um, them against Ichiban Sweet Boys. That was another, another fun matchup. And another story element here is that um, these guys have pretty much been in the main event most of this tour. So night three through six was all them in the main event and winning in the main event. Yeah, it looks like um, 
from what I'm seeing, the match with Drill Maloney and Clark Connors is the second highest rated match of the tournament at 7.73. And it looks like the top rated match right now would be uh, Drill Maloney and Clark Connors against Catch 2-2. Yeah, I would pretty much um, agree with that. Um, and Watto and Despy, you know, so they, they beat the champions, Night 5, uh, War Dogs. So to me, that makes me feel like these guys are not winning the tournament. Possibly. I mean, I think that they have a really good shot just based on the name value and Mm -hmm. the fact that obviously they just came out of that best of seven series. And this is sort of still a stopgap between whatever's next for Desperado and Watto beyond just teaming together. But, you know, it is sort of like, when you put two major singles guys together, they stand a good chance to winning to win in a tournament like this. Um, but normally I'd agree with you because I I'm, I'm assuming your logic is that they beat the champions. So, you know, they don't need to win. The tournament. <laughs> yeah. They're already, they're already entitled to a title shot. But my only thing with that is like the, the junior tag titles don't always follow that sort of logic that you'd expect to see coming out of like a G one. Yeah, and oh, last year they didn't do a multi-man match. Like they did a straight up uh, catch two-two versus uh, Leo Rush and Yo. Even though catch two-two had lost to some teams in the tournament last year, so that they could go the straight up tag. But I just feel like these guys have become so dominant. They beat the champions. I think they'll get to the finals, but I mm-hmm. feel like a team that they've beaten already in this tournament is going to come back and beat them in the finals. Is this a single block tournament? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I To me, looking on paper, I feel like they're the favorites, but I, I can't argue with your logic there. That would make the most sense. No. Um, do you know who is still alive and who's out? Are we at that point in the tournament? Yeah, so there's only uh, three nights left. Uh, so each team has three matches left. Um, so obviously these guys are still in the running here. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot more teams that are still um, in the running, and we can go – through them as we get to each team. Um, so the, the second place team, also that's still in the running here with eight points. Uh, the four and two is Sho and Yoshinobu Kanamaru of the House of Torture. Night two, they defeated the Jet Setters. Night three, they defeated Doki and Taka. Night four, they defeated Musashi and Yo. Night five, they, def- uh, they lost to uh, Ichiban Sweet Boys. And then night six, they defeated Taguchi and DKC. Um, so essentially, it's been the full play of House of Torture Shenanigans in all their matches. Evil, Yudro, and Dick Togo, all the whole crew has pretty much been involved in every match. It's been some kind of ref bump. These guys run out. We have the opponents. You, you got Kanemaru doing the whiskey spray, hitting people with the bottle. So... The wrench, you're getting all the shenanigans mixed up in all their matches, and that's how they've it's actually paying off for them here. It's not backfiring like usual, so that's how they've been able to get to uh, four and two at this point in the tournament. Well, Kanemaru always seemed to have show's number when it came to tournament matches, so you know, maybe he's uh, you know, kind of guiding young show in, in the ways of the master healed him. Um, has Kanemaru like reverted back to his uh, Suzuki Goon terrible tendencies and just kind of like phoning it in? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I mean, they're they're jumping guys from the bell. Show's been cutting promos on people before the bell, but it's most of this tour has been Japanese commentary, so I have no idea what the heck he's been saying. 
Um, but they're jumping people. You have all evil, Yudro, they're coming out. Uh, there's a name now for uh, Dick Togo's uh, chop when they spread somebody's guy's the legs open. He does a chop from the top. It's called the Devil's Chop. Um, so he, he's doing that to, to all the opponents. Um, so yeah. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. This sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, I would say that the one match out of them that was kind of fun was... Um, Night two against the Jet Setters. It was in Corkin Hall. Um, so you, you got some smart fans there. They were kind of playing along with, with the heat. And I mean, Kevin Knight was just like literally just jumping all over the place, like jumping, dodging all their stuff. And uh, so that, that one was a kind of a fun matchup, but everything else has just kind of been meh. I'm surprised you didn't say Musashi and Yo. Well, uh, yeah, there was some uh, talk about that <laughs> matchup. Um, so in that match, um, Kind of Mario was gonna try and do uh, the whiskey, uh, but then Yo grabbed the, the whiskey and he put it in his mouth. And then Sho was trying to stop Yo from spitting the whiskey, and then Yo decided I'm going to kiss Sho and exchange the whiskey in his mouth uh, through a kiss. Wrestled him down to the mat and kissed him and got all the whiskey in his mouth from there. I I'm so revolted. <laughs> You know, COVID was, uh, you know, not too long ago, and these guys are. Uh... <laughs> I saw that, and it, it made me sick. And it's not, it's not a, a, a homophobe thing or anything. I can't stand the idea of making out with somebody with a bunch of fucking shit in their mouth, like and, and, and they, the backwash and oh, exchange. Hell no! Oh, that is so disgusting, bro. That is so disgusting. Wait, like. Like you're gonna spit it in their mouth, they're gonna spit in your mouth. Like I think you can tell right now. There's certain um, <laughs> there's certain uh, what what's the word for that? Like fetish stuff that I'm not into. Like ew, the, 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 the exchange of fluids in the mouth. Whoa, God, no, that's horrible. Yeah, the, the this spot wasn't wasn't for me. Uh, we have a question from Hawaiian Punch BV. He said, "Show yo, top five wrestling kisses." I don't even know what I think. Like, I don't, I don't have, I've never, you know, <laughs> as somebody who has categorized a lot of things when it comes to, <laughs> are you laughing? Cause it's just, it's funny. Like, yeah. You... Why would I categorize wrestling kisses? The, the, here's one thing I will say though. Um, I remember when AJ Lee used to like make out with dudes on WWE TV and I'm no prude, but I remember thinking like, this is a fucking kid show. What the hell are you doing? Bro, she be sucking their fucking faces off and just going like in hard <laughs> and nasty. It's gross. Yeah, that whole, that whole was that her punk, Kane, and Brian, all those dudes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. My, and then uh, Dolph Ziggler. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Barry Wall says, uh, Was that the worst spot? That they've ever done together in a match, and did Karen love it? What the actual dot dot dot? I don't know. I haven't talked to Karen about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to see what she what she thought. I know she loves the uh, show and you, but yeah, we used to be a proper country. <laughs> <laughs> this is some fucking DDT is of hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that's been uh, showing Kanemaru there. They're Still alive with eight points, so they're they're at play. Like I said, that the antics have been working for them, so uh, they could potentially uh, squeak their way into a finals here. Oh, so you're house of torture. You can't count them out for nothing right now. Yeah. 
Um, and then the other team in second place is the other Bullet Club team, the Bullet Club War Dogs, the current junior tag team champions, Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. So they are also eight points, four and two. Night two, they defeated Catch 2-2. Two, two. Night three, they lost to the Jet Setters. Night four, they defeated Bushi and Teton. Night five, losing to Desperado and Watto. And then night six, they defeated Doki and Taka. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. My my only feelings about uh, where they stand right now is I don't think it would be a good idea to have them in the finals unless you want them to win the finals because it's never fun to have the champions go to the finals and then lose to somebody that they already wrestled in the same tournament and then they got to turn around and defend the titles against them. So then you get three matches back to back to back. That's always overkill. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's going to be just looking at the rest of the teams. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that end up being six and three. And mm-hmm. so I could see them being one of the teams being six and three. Um, and then they have 12 points, but because of the tiebreakers or whatever, that they don't make it to the finals and they don't win the tournament. So on paper, it still looks like, you know, they had a great tournament points wise, but then they don't have to win the tournament or even be in the finals. That makes sense. Um, it looks like they're having one of the stronger tournaments of anybody performance wise in terms of match quality. Yeah. I mean, these guys have really gelled together. Well, the team powerhouse team, uh, the, uh, the full clip finisher has been cool. Also the, the drill, killer power driver from Maloney is awesome. And yeah, these guys are having hard-hitting, you know, bruising matchups. And yeah, there has been uh, some cheating and shenanigans, but they're still having really good matches. And, you know, people who talk about, you know, complaining about how the torture and why don't you like them and they're cheating and blah, blah, blah. It's like, if you're going to cheat, like, do it this. Like, I like what Connors and, Mil- and Drill are doing. Like, they're still going out there. It feels like they're actually having a wrestling match. They're actually trying to wrestle and win and compete. Um, and, the, and the last second, they're they're kind of s- sliding the ref away, getting his, you know, turning the ref's attention. It's not always a ref bump. Um, they're doing almost kind of like Ric Flairy kind of stuff, where he's kind of positioning himself to be able to cheat and get the advantage, or just even wrestle, wrestle a more aggressive style to to you know get the heat. Um, and so that's been a lot more enjoyable to watch than you know Evil and all his goons running around in circles and doing all their shenanigans. Um, so yeah, so these guys still alive right now. Like I said, I think they're going to end up being uh, six and three. Um, so then that, that takes us to the jet setters, uh, Kushida and Kevin Knight, who are currently at six points or three and three night two. They lost to house of torture night three. They defeated the war dogs night four, defeating Taguchi and DKC night five defeating or they lost to Bushi and Teton and night six, they lost to Desperado and Watto. Yeah. Um, don't really have too many thoughts here. I'm just, uh, you know, it, it, it goes back to the, the same thing we always talk about where it's like, 
the fuck's going on with Kushida? <laughs> yeah, um, kind of interesting booking with him, but I do feel like the Jet Setters are going to be one of the teams that are at six that could potentially win their last three and come back and be six and three and get 12 points. They did beat the champions on night three, and we've seen the rivalry kind of between them and War Dogs. They lost um, a tag title match. What was that in uh, Rio Goku? So there's been a rivalry between these guys this year. They failed to win the titles uh, a few weeks ago. They beat the champions here non-title. So I think that that kind of sets them up to potential to, to win their last three, get 12 points, and get into the finals. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they've been having fun matches. Kevin Knight is a, a blast to watch. This guy's always flipping and jumping super high. I love listening to a uh, Milano marking out to him uh, in the Japanese commentary. So yeah, they've been a fun team. Uh, is and, there no English? Uh, for the last three or four shows, there has not been English. Um, I think the first the first three I think were English, and then um, there has not been English yet. I know that Walker Stewart has recorded. Um, English commentary for these shows that will be up eventually, but um, as By himself, yeah, dang, uh, um, him into the deep end, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as of this recording, uh, none of his uh work for these shows were up yet. Uh, earlier on the tour, they did have it was Charlton, he did uh, like the first three shows, and uh, Canare was his commentator, uh, first for those shows. Um, the, the other team here that's six and that's six points thirty three is the catch two two, TJP and Francesco Akira. So they lost to the War Dogs on night two. They lost to Musashi and Yo night three. Then night four they defeated Doki and Taka. Night five defeated Taguchi and DKC. And night six they lost to Bushi and Teton. Um, so they've been having really great matchups, but just have not been winning all their matches. And telling the story here, uh, TJP has uh, some kind of neck injury, and so that's been uh, harming them when they try to do the, the leaning tower because he's the one that holds the guy up in the electric chair position, and then um, Akira comes off with the cutter off the top. And so several times in some of these matches, they've tried to go for the leaning tower and not been able to do it. TJP would you know fall down, sell the neck. Um, so it seems like they, you know, previously the story with these guys has always kind of been like TJP's obviously he's a veteran. He's kind of calling the plays and he's the one that's really leading the team to victory. Well, now it seems like uh, Akira has been the one that's kind of had to carry the team on his back here. And TJP's the one that's kind of eating the falls. It's because of his neck injury while they're losing. And then the times they do win, Akira's the one that's getting the, the pinfall. Uh, most of the times they have won so far in the tournament. Well, you know, catch two two. I think they're one of the premier teams of the uh, of the division, and they still have a chance to be one of the finalists. Yeah, there's similar spot with uh, Jet Setters, where if, yeah, if they win their last three, yeah, they could end up uh, with 12 points and uh, get back into the finals. Um, and another team in that position is the Ichiban Sweet Boys, uh, our good friend Robbie Eagles and Kosei Fujita. Night two, they defeated Doki and Taka. Night three, they lost to Taguchi and DKC. Night four, they lost to Desperado and Wato. Night five, they defeated Sho and Kanamaru. Night six, they defeated Musashi and Yo. So this is, you know, obviously the return of um, Kosei Fujita. 
how have the crowds been reacting to him and what what's been your opinion yeah, I think the, the crowd, uh, they have really been into him uh, being back and teaming with Robbie. He's been getting good reactions. He's been uh, wrestling really good. Uh, he has been eating it a lot, though. With uh, He's been doing these uh, tope con helos, and uh, there was the Corkin one. Like, he like almost, like, flew himself into it. There's just no guardrails because of the, you know, junior tournament. And so he was, like, almost, like, into, like, somebody in the first row. The show I watched this morning, like, they did not like catch him well. He like hit the mat pretty hard in Tope. Uh, besides that, uh, I think he's been looking good. Um, like I said last week, he's wrestling a little bit more like Robbie Eagles versus Zack Saber. Uh, so he's been doing a lot more high flying uh, versus like a lot more the holes he would do when he would, would team with Saber. Uh, so yeah, I think he's been looking good. Nice. Um, and yeah, they're they're. In, you know, similar spot as Jet Setters and Catch Two Two Three and Three. So if they win their last three similar situation, uh, they can uh, end up in uh, the finals here. And yeah, I'm still kind of questioning. You know, is Fujita fully graduated or not? He does kind of have somewhat of a new look. Um, but yeah, they haven't really made that dis- distinction yet. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be like, staying in in Japan after this tour is over. Or he's going to go back to Australia and do more dates with Robbie. It would feel like a pretty short-lived quote-unquote excursion if that's what they're aiming to do. But then again, they did say they wanted to kind of fast-track some of these younger guys here. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, question here from Rambo and Slam Pig. What are your thoughts on the performance of Kosei Vegeta to this point in the tournament? I am really impressed and see big things in his future. What should be next for him? Um, well, I think establishing him in this team with Robbie is, is a good way to kind of get him started and get him going. You could easily have them win the junior tag titles at some point next year, um, and then you kind of break him off from there. Then um, next up, we have uh, Bushi and Teton. They're sitting at four points, so they are two and three. So if they were to win their last three, they would be. Five and three, which I don't think is going to end up cutting. I mean, that would put them at ten. So if other people are coming in at with twelve, that's going to bump them up. I guess technically they're they're still in it, uh, depending on how the rest of the team shake out. But I don't think that they're going to get through with ten points. But they're three and three. They've still got they're uh, two two and three. Oh, I, my apologies. Yeah, yeah. Anybody from Bushi and Teton on, all those teams are, uh, they're eliminated. Yeah. Essentially, uh, unless, I mean, I guess there could be like a miracle, like you mentioned, because it is a single block, but it doesn't seem like. You know, actually, they're, um, I've got, a, they're actually, they're two and four. Because everybody's, oh, gotcha. everybody's had six matches so far. So, yeah, they're. Um, like done, done. Yeah. Okay. And last hold on, because I did win today's show. Let me see if I got to <laughs> double check the rankings here. Um, Wouldn't be the first time we got something wrong on this show. Yeah, well, man, it's been hard keeping up with this tour and who has I, what points. I and I know, trust me. <laughs> so yeah, hold on. Let me uh, pull up here and just double check to see where they're at, because they could be three and three because they did win this morning's show. Let's see here. Going over to F4W. All right. 
let's see. Okay, so yeah, correction. So yeah, they won today's show, so that put them. So they're three and three. So they're also at six points. So yeah, they're in a similar situation with uh, Jet Setters, Catch Two Two, and Ichiban Sweet Boys. Okay. Either way, I think that it's highly unlikely that the remaining teams are going to have a have a shot at placing at all. Yeah. Um, and for these guys, they uh, they lost to Taguchi and DKC night two. They lost to Desperado and Wato night three. They, they lost to the War Dogs on night four. Um, and then they came back the last two matches, uh, defeating the Jet Setters on night five and defeating Catch 2-2 this morning. Um, Teton, I feel like he's been really great in this tour. He's been a standout, also between him and Bushi, but... They've been really gelling to work together well as a team. But, yeah, Teton, um, he's been doing a lot of really cool Lucha stuff in his matches. Like I said, the Despi and Watto match uh, was a lot of fun. Man, Teton, he's so dynamic. I wish he was a guy. I wish he would have won Super Juniors, and I wish he would be the junior champion, <laughs> the junior champion right now. I, I feel like we would get some really cool defenses with Teton as champion right now. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so they they can potentially be in the running here if they uh, win their last three. So that brings us to the last two, the last three teams here, which are, they're pretty much all out. We have uh, Risuke Gucci and the DKC. They're sitting at four points, two wins, and four losses. So night two, they defeated Bushi and Teton. They defeated uh, Ichiban Sweet Boys night three, and then they lost the Jet Setters on night four. Lost to Catch Two Two on night five. And lost to House of Torture uh, night six, um, so it's been your typ- typical kind of Taguchi kind of antics here with him and DKC. Um, you know, beginning of the tour, it was Taguchi trying to teach DKC, you know, his plays and stuff like that. Um, they've been doing some, you know, funny kind of karate double team combos together. Uh, but yeah, it's been kind of just the kind of the goofy, lighthearted. Most of the time, they're the, the first tournament match of the evening. Um, so yeah, it is what you kind of expect when you think of what Taguchi and DKC would be. I know exactly what that would be, and I don't <laughs> have to see it to know. <laughs> uh, then after that, uh, Yo and Musashi, they're also at four points, two and four, night two, defeating Desperado and Wato, night three, they defeated Catch 2-2, two, two. night four, lost to House of Torture, night five, lost to Doki and Taka, and then night six, they lost to Ichiban Sweet Boys. Um, so yeah, Musashi coming in from Michinoku Pro. Uh, him and Yo used to, you know, be high school friends in, in amateur wrestling. Um, Musashi replacing Leo Rush here. Um, I think he's been fine. Um, to me, he really hasn't like stood out to me where I'm like, man, New Japan should sign him. They should bring him back. Um, He's just kind of been a good hand to me in this tournament. Like, he's no replacement for Leo Rush. Yeah, when I heard that Musashi was in this, I was like, Musashi from K1, the karate <laughs> fighter? It's incredible. <laughs> and then I found I was a different Musashi who I've never heard of or seen. So I don't really know. He, he's an unknown commodity to me, aside from I know he was at the, uh, the um, All Star Junior Festival, but. That shit came a win. That's a whirlwind. I don't even remember who was on that show. Yeah, I mean, they call him the the future of Michinoku Pro. Uh, apparently, he's like their ace in the, in the making. Um, but 
don't know. He, he's been fine. I mean, he's been good. Like, he hasn't been bad at all. But to me, like, in this tournament, he just hasn't stood out. And when you're given the opportunity to compete for New Japan, you think you want to make the most of it. Um, but, yeah, it's just, he's just been kind of there for me. Um, and, of course, team, teaming with Yo. And then I don't know what it is with Yo. I feel like, I guess, him and Leo... Is where the magic is at, and nobody else. Um, so yeah, and kind of surprising how much they've been losing too. And a lot of times when they're losing, it's not always Musashi that's eating the pinfall. Yo has ate, ate some of the falls here uh, on some of their losses. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's kind of interesting to see what they're gonna end up doing with these guys. Um, then the last team here, Doki and Taka Michinoku. So they're sitting at two points. They're one and five. Uh, they lost to Ichiban Sweet Boys night two. Lost to House of Torture night three. Uh, lost to Catch Two Two night four. Got their first win on night five against Musashi and Yo. And then night six, they lost to the War Dogs. Um, they might be at two points, and you know, kayfabe wise, they're 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 losers. But they're probably one of the hardest working teams in this tournament. I don't know. I was literally just about to say, like, this, if there's any acts that I have to grind when it comes to the booking of this tournament, it's booking Doki and Taka at the bottom. Because every single, I know there's not a lot of uh, gifts of New Japan that are allowed to persist for any long period of time, but every cool thing that I've seen from this tournament online, it's always Doki and Taka doing raw shit. And, like, I'm like, Taka's like out here doing like bro, 1997 shit. Like it's sick. Bro, Taka, he's super motivated. I don't know what it is. He, he's got the, the Michinoku, uh, the the, bro, the, the blue, the Kayantai blue on. It's because Doki had a conversation with him and he's like, we never go back. He's like, you want to <laughs> go back to Michinoku, bro? <laughs> Just you want to go out. wrestle in Osaka? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. Both of them doing double Asai moonsaults, um, you know, their their combo moves. They did a, a super kick into the suplex de la luna to get their first win. Um, these guys, they've been working super hard. They've been killing themselves. Like I said, Taka, man, like this is the best Taka has looked probably since that, what, that 2019 Super Juniors where he got hurt. He hurt his ankle. Like he's been looking really, really good, really motivated. He's been fun to watch. And yeah, this team been working super hard super hard worker has been really fun to watch but unfortunately you know the booking is not uh playing out for them here this is probably the best he's looked since the wwf light heavyweight tournament title tournament <laughs> in 1997 when he was wrestling on raw's war against aguila <laughs> oh man throwing it throwing it back there this uh, is the best he's looked since ecw barely legal <laughs> Oh man, so uh, yeah, that's where we're at uh, with the junior tag team tournament. Uh, I'm just gonna run through the undercard results from these shows um, and to kind of maybe talk about any stories there. So night two, uh, Callum Newman, Great Okan, Hanari defeated Ashkalube, Red Narita, and Chota Umino. So this whole tour, Narita and Umino have been teaming together, so it definitely seems like they're getting them ready for World Tag League. Um, and then Okan's getting ready for uh, John Moxley. Um, at the time, Hanari was getting ready for uh, the strong title match. 
Then we had uh, Sonata, Tai Chi, and Yuyamura. They defeated, uh, actually, with a time limit draw against Hiromu, Naito, and Yotsuji. And then we had the uh, NJPW World Television match with Zack Sabre Jr. defending against Oleg Bolton. Um, so that was um, a fun matchup. Uh, it was pretty much Zack just eating up uh, Bolton. Um, Bolton did get a chance to show some um, power moves um, and kind of show a little bit of what he had, but I really felt it was Zach kind of really just out- outclassing him and out wrestling him. Yeah, that was something I was definitely interested in watching, and I'm kind of looking, you know, at the results, seeing what I need to go back and catch up on, and that didn't seem to be something that got a lot of acclaim, or you know, not that it needs to be, but it didn't even seem like anyone was really talking about it after the fact there, it seemed like there was more buzz going into the match than coming out of it. Yeah. Cause everybody's like, Oh, what does this mean for Bolton Oleg? Is he going to get a, you know, is he going to win? Is he going to get, you know, graduate quickly kind of thing. Um, and the match was just kind of, it was just kind of there. And Bolton, I think he has a, a lot of talent. Also, he's a, a big dude. He has a lot of power, but again, like I was saying last week, I think what I saw here, I'm like, man, I feel like Oscar Lube would have stood out more in a, in a match like that. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, Oscar Luebe ha- is a much more seasoned and experienced vet in comparison to Oleg Bolton. I have to imagine, um, even though I haven't seen the match, I think I probably still want to go and check it out. For a guy that's never had a a match go over 10 minutes, this was probably a strong uh, you know, progression for him. Yeah. Um, then night three, we had uh, Bolton Oleg, Narita, and Umino defeating uh, Callum Newman, Great Okan, Hinare, Hiromu, and Suji defeated Gato and Taiji, Shimori, and uh, then Sonata, Taichi, and Yuya defeated Tanahashi, Oscar Luebe, and Tomohiro Ishii. Night four, we had uh, Great Bash Heel, Makabe, and Hanuma defeating Oscar Luebe and Yuto Nakashima. Narita and Umino defeated Callum Newman and Great Okan. And then Ishii, Yano, and Yoshihashi defeated Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro. Night 5, Makabe and Hanuma defeated Tenzon. Makabe and Hanuma and Tenzon defeated uh, Bolton Oleg, Oscar Lube, and Yuto Nakashima. Renderita and Shoto Umino defeated Callum Newman and Great Okan. And then Ishii, Yano, and Yoshihashi defeated Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro. And then on this morning's show, Night 6, the uh, Great Bash Heel and Tenzon defeated Bullet Olten, Oscar Lube, and Yuto Nakashima. Narita and Umino defeated Callum Newman and Great Okan. Ishiyano and Yoshiashi defeated Diktoko Evil and Yujiro. So a lot of similar stuff on the undercards uh, there. And that brings us to the upcoming schedule for the remainder of the Road to Power Struggle Tour. I'll take it from here, Jeremy. So... Night seven, we've got Old Bolton, Oscar Webe, and Yuto Nakashima taking on Great Bash Heel, teaming with Tenzon, Rinarita, and Shota Umino will take on United Empire's Callum Newman and Great Okan. Uh, the cast team of Ishii, Yano, and Yoshihashi take on the House of Torture team of Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro. Getting into tournament action, we've got the Super Junior Tag League, Taguchi and DKC taking on Musashi and Yo. Uh, the LIJ team of Bushi and Teton taking on Doki and Taka. Intergalactic Jet Setters taking on Kosei Fujita and Robbie Eagles. House of Torture taking on the Bull Club War Dogs. And then your main event is El Desperado and Master Wato taking on Catch 2-2. Um, on night eight, 
Narita, Umino, and Hanma take on the United Empire team of Newman, Okan, and Hanare. Gato and Taiji Shimori take on uh, the LIG team of Hiromu and uh, Yotsuji. The Chaos team of Ishii, Yano, and Yoshihashi take on Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro. In tournament action, we've got Taguchi and DKC taking on the Bull Club War Dogs. Uh, the LIJ tag team taking on um, Ichiban Sweet Boys. Musashi and Yo taking on the Intergalactic Jet Setters. Semi-main event, Despi and Wato versus uh, Doki and Taka. And then your main event, Catch 2-2 versus the House of Torture. And then finally, on night nine, Road to Power Struggle, Bull Club team of Gato and Ishimori uh, matchup against Hiromu and Suji. Non-title six-man tag team match, the cast team of Okada, Ishii, and Yosh- uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, the reigning never six-man tag team champions. They'll take on Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro. Um, you know, that's a little concerning because it's a non-title match. Could always lead to a title match down the road. <laughs> Oleg Bolton, Oscar Luebe, Ren Narita, and Shoto Mino take on the United Empire team of Newman, Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Will Ospreay. And then finally, back to... Uh, and this is the final night of regular tournament action, correct? Yes. Taguchi and DKC taking on um, Doki and Taka. Musashi and Yo taking on LIJ. Ichiban Sweet Boys taking on the Bull Club War Dogs. Intergalactic Jet Setters versus uh, Catch-2-2. And then your main event, Despi and Wato versus show and kanamaru so um anything here that is eye-opening that you're looking forward to what are your predictions jeremy yeah so i think as you can see from the the first tournament matches we were talking about Yuchi and dkc against doki and taka like they're out musashi and yogans bushi and teton i think that's gonna they're gonna both be out and so it's gonna come down to these last three matches here um i i Desperado and Wato in the main event again. I could they seem to be in almost all main events and semi-main events. Yeah. I could see them being spoiled by Sho and Kanemaru. Uh, do we think that there's a situation where like Sho and Kanemaru beat them and they end up facing one another in the finals again right after that? You could do that, and then they could get their revenge. Um, I I think Catch Two Two is another team to watch out for against the Jet Setters. Like I feel like that could be a, a spot where both teams, um, if they either one win, they could get to twelve points. So potentially could end up with uh, Catch Two Two versus House of Torture, or maybe Despi and Wato just win here here, and you get um, them against Catch Two Two. I think that that would probably be the match that the purists would want to see the most out of all the different possibilities. Yeah, I think that would end up being the best case match, and I feel like they're doing a, kind of a comeback story for Catch 2-2. Um, and we know they're kind of rivaled with Jet Setter. So, yeah, I could see them winning that semi-main event to lock their spot in. Um, and then you could have Despian and Wato lose on uh, night 8 and 7. So that way, you kind of think that they could they could be out, and then they win their last match, knock out House, House of Torture, and then yeah, you get to Desperado and Wato against Catch Two Two. Yeah, this one's uh, it's tough to call. I'm not sure exactly where it's headed, but you know, in a week's time, we'll we'll pretty much already know. And then uh, assuming that the finals are what at Power Struggle, yes. Gotcha. 
So yeah, I think I'm gonna tentatively lock in Watto. And my thing is like Despi and Watto, it's weird because they're kind of leading right now. So I'm assuming they're probably gonna take a couple losses here in the near future to sort of even things up a little bit so they don't get too far ahead. Yeah. But um ultimately I think if they're the biggest star tag team, there's a reason they've been in all the main events. So I assume they should probably go through to the finals. And um I think it's going to be either them in House of Torture or them in Catch 2-2. Of course, they could always do War Dogs. It wouldn't be the first time they've had the champions go to a finals in a tournament like this, but I just I always hate that because you're going to get the same match over and over again. Right, yeah. A single block does not really uh, bode well for that. So, like I said, I think those guys can still end up with 12 or 10 points, have a respectable tournament, um, but not have to win it or be in the finals. With Watto and Despi, were there any matches that had any weird wonky finishes at the earlier juncture of the tournament already? Um, Not really. Because sometimes in a single block, that's the tell. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like most of their matches have been straight up either clean wins or losses. Well... Yeah, I think them and uh, Sho and Kenamaru on the final night, that's very, uh, you know, but that kind of screams the whole, like, you know, Sho and Kenamaru threatening to go to the finals and no one wants to see them get there, so Despi and Watto have to overcome them. Yeah, especially if, if they end up losing on uh, night seven and eight and come into this final night um, five and three. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but I'm just looking at the final night, you know, your top three matches. You've got War Dogs versus TMDK. Maybe um, TMDK picks up a win, and it's a big spoiler. Yeah. And then you got Jet Setters versus United Empire. I'm going to kind of just treat those final two matches like they're, uh, you know, A block, B block finals, and I think we'll probably just see Watto and... and um, Despi face off against the winners of the Jet Setters and Catch 2-2, whoever that may be, especially considering the history between those two teams this past year. Yeah. So, yeah, ultimately, yeah, I think we'll, we'll get a fun final um, regardless of who wins that. But, yeah, overall, really fun tournament and, yeah, should be uh, fun finals. So, um, later this week on Saturday, we have uh, Power Struggle coming up few of the announced matches that are are here there is going to be a pre-show frontier zone six-man tag team match where uh mochizuki jr strong machine j and yoshiki kato will take on three um mystery opponents i don't know who any of these wrestlers are so yes. i don't know what this promotion even is they're from uh dragon gate ah uh, okay okay gotcha uh, um why is it called frontier zone so this is the new gimmick they started at uh, Rio Goku, where they're doing this new thing on the pre-shows, where they're bringing in guys from other right. promotions and other indies to give them a shot to kind of break out um, and see if these guys are going to come back at contracts, kind of thing, or just kind of spotlight other independent talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 just want to give you guys a little bit of spotlight, and then we want to sign your best talent away from you. <laughs> 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 all right vince jr 1984 okay <laughs> so uh but they're facing three unknown opponents so i don't know i guess what 
who knows? I don't even know if that will make air or not. Did the last one? It, yeah, air? the last one did. Yeah. Okay. And then um, Will Osprey versus Shota Umino. Is that not for the U.S. title? Yeah, it's for the uh, U.S. U.S. slash uh, U.K. title. Umino to- told Will to bring both belts. Um, so there is rumor that, you know, the winner is going to become the, uh, intercontinental champion. Right. I'm just reading this off of the, so is that, that's the main event, correct? Yeah. The, the matches are not in order cause not the full cards not announced yet, but mm, okay. that, that will probably yeah, be the main event on this show. Uh, John Moxley is wrestling the great Ocon. Um, I know that great Ocon has basically stipulated that if he beats John Moxley, he wants a shot at the AW world title. And then um, aside from that, later on the evening, you got Tingaloa and David Finley again, but this time with no uh, never title tied to it. So, well, no, this is a uh, Tingaloa, not not Tamatonga. Oh, okay, so great, Tingaloa. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Naito and Suji taking on uh, just five guys, Sonata and Yuya Uemura. You know, the twenty minute time limit draw wasn't enough. We need to run it back. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Then the never weight, the never open weight six man tag team titles are on the line as uh, Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi take on the TMDK team of Mikey Nichols, Shane Hayes, and Zack Saber Jr. And then the IWGP Junior Heavyweight titles on the line as Hiromu Takahashi takes on Taiji Ishimori again. Yep, by uh, another Hiromu uh, Taiji match there. Um, so yeah, um, Jeremy, I'm just gonna say it. The early part of this year, it felt a lot of the time where it was like New Japan is back. But some of these big shows, not not even necessarily New Japan day to day, that that hasn't changed too much. But some of these big shows, like hmm. you know, Power Struggle, and then uh, what was the last one uh, that we had for this? Destruction, Destruction and Ryogoku. Not feeling it. <laughs> Yeah, Destruction Ryugoku eh, was not great. Um, I think this show actually looks pretty good. Uh, I mean, Osprey and Umino, that will be good. Uh, I think Moxley and Okan could be fun. Um, Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii against uh, Zack and Nichols and Hayes, that will be fun. We know Hiromu and Taiji can have a great match. There's definitely good stuff on the card. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, we've seen Osprey and Umino quite a few times now, and like it's good, but it's never like delivered up to the level I think it should, considering how they push Umino. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, I, I do definitely you think, think that he needs to win here? I don't know if he needs to win. I think the that's the real question because the intrigue surrounding Will and his contract status and the future of him in this company, and you know what's going to happen on July fourth when we're the other sort of all you know, kind of surrounding this match. So there is intrigue from that perspective. Um, me personally, I would just keep the title on Will. Yeah. I mean, ultimately that's, that's probably what they're going to do. That's probably maybe the right business call, but I'm like, man, how much times are you going to beat Uno with Osprey? Like how many times are you going to beat all of your new young upcoming stars that you've returned from excursion by guys that are walking out of the company. True. Yeah. You know, it, it's happened quite a few times, but my thinking, and maybe this is a little bit more short term as opposed to a long-term view. Um, you got will you're, you're going to do something with this belt. 
the big payoff probably should happen on a bigger stage like wrestle kingdom whatever that might be you know Mm. um i am of the opinion that will is absolutely leaving the company and i think that you know if you haven't dropped the title now sure you could get something out of him come january 4th but it's gonna have less juice to it than it would be if he's you know um doing the favor to somebody on the way out in the tokyo dome yeah well all signs are pointing for him versus john moxley at the tokyo dome so do do you have him drop this uh new ic title or us slash uk title to moxley why do you say that because I hadn't heard that at all, but again, I'm not. Act- I haven't been actively watching. Uh, well, people are kind of speculating for you know Will being in a big match, and this whole Ocon facing Moxley is a way for you know Moxley to beat Ocon, and that kind of gets Will to want to challenge Moxley. Hmm. Well, you know, as one of our famous presidents, uh, uh, George W. Bush, said once, he said, "Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice." You can't get fooled again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, we've already done the whole let's put our title on an AEW guy and hope he comes back. And granted, John Moxley's not, you know, um, Kenny Omega. Like, if John Moxley, if it were up to him, he'd probably be wrestling in Japan, like, you know, every two months. Yeah. (laughs) Quarterly. Like, he'd be here all the time. And maybe if he has the belt, that would happen. I do think that there's m- more of a chance of that taking place with John Moxley than there would be than there was with Kenny. But at the same time, John is in such high demand with AEW. I mean, I don't trust any arrangement any longer where an outside contracted guy holds the title, whether it's whether it's with AEW or elsewhere. I just don't want to see it. We've been burned by it too many times at this point. Yeah. But uh, that is a good point. If it were to be John Moxley, I wouldn't want them to do that because my whole thinking is that if Will's leaving and if he is going to drop the title, then he should just drop the belt to somebody that deserves the rub. Yeah. Or do you wait? His contract is up in February. Do you have him drop it at New Beginning, whatever the big New, new Beginning is going to be in January or the one that they do in early February? Uh, what if you did it at New Year's Dash? You could you do know, that. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Uh, I also thought, and again, don't get. I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen, but like we don't know what his future is. We don't know what the if there is going to be a time split. But like, let's say if he goes to AW, for instance, um, what if like he leaves with the belt? You know, that's on the table too, and I don't think it's something a lot of people have considered. You know. Like when Kenny left and he was IWGP champion, there's no chance that was going to happen because, you know, but we've, there already is a precedent of them having champions outside of the company. Will could leave with the title and then, you know, split his time. You know, I'm not saying I want to see that, but it is a real possibility. Right. And his whole thing is, you know, I'm the quote unquote real world champion. Like I've been defending my belt all around the world. Um, Bro, it's hard to argue against. Him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah, you have him take the belt with him and take the belt around the world to different, you know, if it becomes the intercontinental, you know, the different continents and go to AEW, go be in America. If they were going to have him drop the belt to one of the young guys, for me, for my money, it needs to either be Suji or Umino. 
I, I wouldn't be opposed to him losing to Umino here, especially since Umino's already lost to him so many times in the past. And Will's a big enough star to where, like, let's say if you did want to do that John Moxley match on the way out, um, that would be fine to do without a title. It doesn't necessarily need a title. But my whole, I'm just thinking, like, if you're wanting to, uh, you know, have him do the favor to somebody at the Tokyo Dome and it's a New Japan contracted guy, that might not be a bad way to go, you know, to elevate somebody as opposed to doing it. To me, it feels a little bit cop-out-ish to do it at Power Struggle in November as opposed to Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Like, I would have imagined it would be Umino fighting him in the Tokyo Dome and winning the belt. I didn't think it was going to happen here. Right, which which means he's probably not winning. Right. Which makes it, and again, it's, it's a hair scratcher because there's been a lot of things that have happened in this company this past year. And in the past few years where I've been a little bit like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. And then, like you mentioned, like, Suji would have been a great guy to beat Osprey, but Osprey just beat him. Or so, mm-hmm. Are you going to run that back like that? Well, quick? you could run that back because he came so close. Mm-hmm. It, if they wanted to build to that, but I don't know if there's going to be time to really establish something like that during World Tag League. Maybe there will be. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. What are you thinking? Do you think Umino wins here? I don't know. It's hard. It's like, I don't think you should be beating Umino, and I don't think he needs to lose to Will again, but it makes more sense for Will to lose at the Tokyo Dome if he's going to be going, leaving New Japan, and if you want him to put somebody over that's not John Moxley, that would be the stage for him to lose, drop the belt, and make somebody. But it's like, who do you do? It's like, you're not going to run back Umino if he beats him here in Power Struggle. Like, the Suji match, like, you could do that, but that would be a quick turnaround. Um, I, I don't think you're going to do Ren Narita. Um, I, I don't see them doing Yuya Mora. So it's like, who, who do you do? Like, if you're not going to do one of the young guys. So it's it's a weird predicament. It, it's a weird predicament. It, it's I, I'm going with Will, though. Yeah, I mean that that's the, the safe bet. Uh will probably end up winning. It'll be a story of Umino getting so close again but losing. Um and, and but what sucks about that is, you know, for people that have been tracking their matches going back to Red Pro, you sort of expected him to someday beat him. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't do it here, it's probably not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So that's there's probably some people listening thinking that he is going to win it. Maybe they're right. It's a tough call. Um, I think that this is the most credible threat to his title reigns so far, uh, yeah. but I could see him winning. Any chance of the, the hour draw? No. <laughs> um. I think uh, John Moxley is going to be great. Ocon. Oh yeah. Def- yeah. I think I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Ocon uh, doesn't stand the chance. But, you know, speaking to the quality of, of, of the show, Jeremy, like, I don't know that I'm that excited for Ocon and Moxley. Um, Tangaloa, David Finley, I don't know why I need to see that. Well, 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 Josh, Tangaloa pinned David Finley in a tag match. Royal don't, Qu- give, Royal Quest. don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then uh, uh, I guess we could talk about it. Naito and Sonata. 
world one of the coldest world title feuds leading to a Tokyo Dome in forever. Yeah, they're gonna mess around and end up in a fan boat. Well, <laughs> well, Osprey gonna be made of in the dome. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. But like, damn, dude, this you know, and that's another thing. Like, they got good guys in there, Suji and Yamura. That sounds awesome. But like, Naito and Sonata, bro. Like, I don't know, man. And then um, the never open weight six man tag team is cool. You know, that's one of the the highlights of what's been going on in the company lately. In fact, I wish that they would come up with a a name for Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi. It's it's weird saying chaos and Tanahashi, you know. <laughs> but that looks good. But then Hiromu and Ishimori, like, yeah, that's objectively good. But I'm so fucking tired of seeing those guys wrestle each other. I don't want to see it again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like a placeholder title match. Um, this this card is a placeholder card, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you would think this, this show would have to be kind of angle heavy because this is like the last major heavyweight show before January 4th. I mean, you'll have the World Tag League finals in December, but I'm I'm a little surprised there's not more heavyweight tag team action leading to World Tag League on here so far. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not the full card. There will probably be some more matches announced uh, later this week, so maybe they'll, they'll throw some more tags on there, maybe. And then uh, last thing, like, let me look here before we jump to the news. Because, I mean, I know you and I, we talked briefly today. But, like, I just want to look at the schedule. But it's like, um, is this it? Like, is this our cutoff for the year? So, Lone Star Shootout is uh, November 10th. And that's the last show before. Actually, no, there are. There's some other there is sh- an event on November 11th called NJPW Anyo Rainy Days. I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah, I don't know if that's airing on New Japan World or not. Okay. It, it could but be, but... Uh, the first day of... Uh, okay, so it looks like there's a couple New Japan Road shows on the 17th and the 19th of November. I yeah. have no... No idea if those are going to air on New Japan World or not, but okay. So I got uh, the I pull up the world schedule, so that's up okay. to date. So, um, yeah, New Japan Road November seventeenth will be airing. Okay, so, so that the, should be something to lead to something. Yeah, that's, so that's the only show that's airing. So it's uh, Power Struggle, Lone Star Shootout, New Japan Road, and then World Tag League starts on November twentieth. Well, then that's going to be the cutoff for our year. November 20th is the new fiscal year, and uh, we're going into award season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in 20 days. It's pretty crazy. We haven't really worked on uh, much of it. I've been look, I looked at the uh, spreadsheet today. Uh, I actually like it. Also, it, it's going to be work for us to do it, but I think it's actually going to be pretty easy to narrow down some of the stuff just because, like you mentioned, like. It seemed like New Japan was going to have a hot year, and it, it's kind of cooled down some areas. Um, so I, I think narrowing down some of these categories is going to it's going to be actually easier. Like we were saying earlier on the, on the phone, like I think it's going to be an extremely higher higher bar that we're going to set for this year, um, and, and it's gonna, I think it's going to narrow it down pretty easily with that. Nice. Well. Um... Let's uh, jump into the news before I have a panic attack. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Brian Danielson and Claudio uh, Casagnoli, they defeated Okada and Orange Cassidy last week on Dynamite. And we had a question here from Stale Burger Bun. Why is Okada such an unsafe worker in AEW? And I, I, I assume that there was an angle with Danielson and an injury. But it looks like um, about one hour ago, there was an update on this news story. I saw it on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> um, that Brian's injury did not occur during that match. Yeah, so uh, it came out after this match that Brian had a broken orbital bone. Uh, people thought it might have been a work to set up an angle for Tokyo Dome, but uh, it seems like le- the injury is legitimate. But uh, apparently the injury came from the Andrade match uh, two weeks ago on Collision. That's what they're saying, yeah. So um, I think they he probably has been working with a broken orbital bone. Wouldn't be the first time he's ever done that. Um well, probably. I wonder if it's the same eye, the same injury from you know back in the Morishima days. But uh, they used this match in particular as an opportunity to write him off for the time being, probably to build to something with him and uh, Okada again. Yeah, uh, Claudio. He cut a promo. Um, he wants to seek revenge against Cassidy and Okada. So he's facing Orange Cassidy this Wednesday on Dynamite for the international title, and then. Um, Teasing potentially, he said he'll go to Japan if he has to. So, if Brian's not ready for Tokyo Dome, I guess it could be uh, Claudio versus Okada at the Tokyo Dome. I would not be opposed to that. Uh, the NJPW Lone Star Shootout um, on Friday, November 10th, there have been uh, several matches confirmed. Uh, the card reads as follows Shingo Takagi defending the Never Openweight title against Trent Beretta from AEW. Zack Sabre Jr. defending the NJPW World TV Championship against Speedball Mike Bailey from TNA, not Impact. That's right. TNA is back, baby. Mayu Iwatani from Stardom defending the IWGP Women's uh, title against CMLL Stephanie Vakur. Um, AEW's Eddie Kingston defending the NJPW Strong Openweight title against Satoshi Kojima from NOAA. <laughs> <laughs> ELP and Hikaleo, uh, the new Gorillas of Destiny, defending the NJPW Strong Tag Team titles against the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Mystico versus TJP, and Toru Yano versus Joey Janela. This is a a, a Fire Pro-ass show if there ever was one. Seriously, but I, I think it's going to be a pretty fun card, though. Looks pretty good, yeah. Um, Fantastica Mania will be returning in 2024. The 2024 tour will get started in Osaka on February 12th for two nights before heading to uh, Kagawa, Aichi, Makahari Mese, and Chiba, and then always the wildly popular tour conclusion in Corken Hall on February 18th and 19th. And then after two successful intakes in 2023, the NJPW Academy will return to the LA Dojo in 2024 with another round of courses beginning January 22nd. Whether you're looking to begin your pro wrestling journey or you're ready to push yourself to the next level, start your 2024 strong at NJPW Academy. So um, I guess I'm a little confused on how this all works. Like they're an academy, but they're going to the dojo. What the fuck's going on? So the academy classes are happening at the dojo. Okay, so the dojo is just still the physical place. The academy is the program. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, if you're a wrestler and you want to 
try your hand at this shit. You know, you can show up on Lone Star Shootouts pre-show, maybe, if you're at the very, very top. Go get trained by uh, Fred Rosser. Nice. And then uh, Saturday, December 16th, Crystal Palace National Sports Center, Red Pros Uprising 2023. Will Ospreay versus Gabe Kidd has been added to that show. And I think that's the same show where we're getting uh, um, Ishii and Luke Jacobs again, right? Yep, yeah, the big rematch between Ishii and Luke Jacobs. So, yeah, that'll be a, a big show for uh, Red Pro. Nice. All right, uh, going to close you out here with a few questions and then uh, recommended match of the week. Uh, so first from Barry Wall says, with Impact going back to being called TNA and Okada saying a few weeks back how he hated TNA, it sounded like he was being serious. Although the people are different behind the scenes, if he wanted to, do you think he would hold enough power or sway to weaken the partnership deal if he wanted to over personal issues? I don't know about that, but I did think about the optics of AEW, or AEW, of New Japan Pro Wrestling working with TNA once again. And I did wonder, like, did they put any, did they even consider that that might be something that hurts the relationship potentially? Uh, I mean, at this point, like, they've been working with Impact. It's going to be, you know, Scott DeMore. They've been working with Impact. <laughs> Not TNA. Uh, I'm just saying that that would be pretty funny if, like, yeah, the, the partnership just like stopped. <laughs> They're like, uh, you guys are going back to TNA. I don't know, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I think it the whole like Okada hating TNA. Obviously, I know he he didn't have a great run there, but I think he kind of jokes about it now. So I don't think it'd be. It'd be that serious. I mean, he still has a lot of friends there, friends with the machine gun and stuff like that. So it'll be fun. Uh, he also asks, uh, is Zack Sabre Jr. the best faction leader? He is present for the Super Junior matches outside the ring to support the Sweet Boys. And Okada might not even know who was in chaos. Uh, hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, TMDK has been a pretty good faction this year. Uh, I mean, I, I would uh, argue Will Ospreay is a pretty good uh, faction leader. I was going to say Will, but it, I don't know. Zach's a pretty strong leader. Yeah, Can't that... win the big one, though. <laughs> uh, next Rambo and Slam Pigs is between the LA Dojo graduates, the Musketeers, Fujita, Lube, Bolton, there is a lot of high ceiling young talent in the promotion. In order to keep those guys in the mix, there will probably need to be a big downcycling of older talent. Who is on the chopping block first? Tanahashi. Mm. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's really smart what they've been doing with the, the older talent, allowing them to kind of go out and work in these other companies and almost sort of facilitate not quite exactly the same role but um who's who's the uh okamura right okamura is the guy in cmll that's yeah. japanese yeah you know he sort of ha has like that liaison role for the company um i don't know that the that the relations that they're building with these outside companies isn't hurt in any way by sending some of these older you know talents that are still able to draw and work uh, to to those companies 
that's a great way to kind of down cycle some of those guys. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of that ongoing, but um, I think like Tenzon's for sure on his way out. Yeah. I mean, Tenzon, Makabe, uh, Tiger Mask. Tiger Mask, Nagata, Suzuki mm-hmm. are all rapidly approaching. Kojima. Kojima's probably right now out of all of those guys, in my opinion, the most consistently stable worker yeah. of the group. Um, maybe Tiger Mask, but it's probably Kojima. I think, but here's my hot take. I think right now in 2023, I think um, I think Nagata is able to still get up for the big match better than the rest of those guys, including Kojima, mm. w- when he needs to, as evidenced by his last like all, uh, triple crown run. But on a day in and day out status, like I don't think Nagata is wrestling anywhere near the level Kojima is right now. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and I know you joked about Tanahashi, but but he's he's the next guy behind all those guys. Yeah, like he's he's bro, he's also there's Hama. Yeah, Hama. Uh, but yeah, I think all of those guys are you know. But I, I, Tanahashi's like not far off from dad status. Yeah, I mean he's been in a lot of multi man stuff this year. He's a never six man champion, like. He hasn't done. He hasn't done a lot of big, high-profile singles matches this year, bro. When Tanahashi does his final G one, oh my god, tears! Yeah, when are we gonna get this uh, Tanahashi Bye Bye tour? <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get Sting and Tanahashi once, right? <laughs> uh. Let's see. Uh, next question here uh, from Def Triangle Seven Twenty. With Danielson out, do you think it would be a good choice to have Claudio be Okada's opponent at Wrestle Kingdom? Um, no. <laughs> I thought you said you <laughs> you wouldn't mind that. <laughs> right. Like I don't mind it. Me personally, like from a wanting to consume that match as just a fan i'm i'm all for it do i think for business reasons that that would be the prudent or smart decision for new japan to put claudio in a major spot against uh okada at wrestle kingdom like i'd say no i think that it would be better for the because i don't think claudio is that well of a known commodity in the market and I don't think he's a big enough name to draw foreign eyes over to the product. Um, I think that that match would probably be better served. I know that he said he'd come to Japan and wrestle him. and That's cool. I, I do want to see Claudio wrestle here without the constraints, but um, I don't know. That match is probably better served happening in AEW, honestly. Mm. And I think, I think for business reasons, Okada should probably wrestle somebody a little bit more high profile. At, at the dome. So you're seeing maybe bringing in some, try to find another AW guy that's. I don't know what I'm, I'm not saying that specifically. I don't know. Uh, I'm not like fantasy booking here, but I'm just saying if I had the opportunity to do someone with a bigger name than Claudio, I would do that. Yeah. I think, yeah, nothing against Claudio, but yeah, definitely he's more of that upper mid card guy. Whereas, you know, Brian Danielson, legend, main eventer, you want mm-hmm. somebody on that. Status. Like, 
like I would do Mox and Okada. That's the kind of match that I think should be happening at the Tokyo Dome, to put it in perspective. Yeah, because I don't think they've wrestled each other, have they? Never. Yeah, so that that would be a cool first time dream match kind of thing. Something like that. Like that's kind of like you know. And uh, granted, sure, like Claudio would be a cool match for him to have, and he definitely win that one that's one where like they they wouldn't be able to do the the tk you know pulling the power card but like you know it's the tokyo dome you only get so many of those and i don't think that i don't think that that that's as high profile enough of a match especially if you're trying to rebound business and, and everything like that yeah maybe you um you don't do will mox and you set up yeah moxley okada because since Mox is still in Blackpool Combat Club, he could also be trying to get revenge for uh, Brian um, against Okada. That's the way they should go. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, then last question here from Hawaiian Punch BV. Thoughts on Fury Ninganu? Who would you pick in a rematch? Were Dana White and the UFC the ones who actually fumbled the bag? Oh boy, here we go. The question I've been wanting. Did you watch this fight? I didn't watch it, but I saw several clips and pictures uh, of the fight, and it seemed like Yanaganu uh, was in there, you know, going toe to toe with uh, Fury. I thought I thought Francis Ngannou won the fight. Um, I, I it definitely it was a close fight in terms of like the scorecards, but um, I don't think Tyson Fury had shit for Ngannou. <laughs> this fight um it is funny it was a 10 round fight um you know the the one really intriguing thing behind it is Nganu is the lineal mma world heavyweight champion um he's no longer the ufc champion but he was the lineal world champion when he left that company and that doesn't end just because he's not under contract with the premier sports league he he takes the 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 status with him and Tyson Fury, likewise, is the lineal boxing world heavyweight champion. So you got the two lineal champions going head to head in a in a in this sport, and nobody gave Francis a shot. And like even me, bro, like I've said, I don't know if I've talked about it that much on the air here, but I've said many times that I thought Francis had a shot just because he has so much power. But I didn't think it was a a shot in the sense of like you know, it would go to a decision and he, he'd be standing there looking like the better fighter after 10 rounds. I, I thought he'd try to bum rush him and maybe catch him with a big shot and put him down. <laughs> and like, that's not what happened here at all. And the other thing that's so crazy about it is if you watched um, Francis Ngannou work on pads and work with his boxing trainers, bro, he did not look good at all. Like, I, like he didn't look fluid. He didn't look he just he looked like a novice like a guy that couldn't string together any punches it was fucking i was like oh my god he's gonna get savaged by tyson fury tomorrow and then um they went out there and like fury hit him with a few big right hands right off the bat pop pop and francis ate that shit up and he didn't move and it was like oh no (laughs) (laughs) and like that's the thing francis is an incredible incredibly gifted like athletic human um, he's a freak of nature and I don't think Tyson Fury had any power to hurt him and he fought a really smart game plan. Like anyone who watched the fight, you'll notice he didn't go forward that much. Um, because 
if he was going forward, that would allow Tyson to counter him. He never really gave Tyson the chance to counter him, but he also never went back. And Tyson's really good um, putting people on their back heels when needed. And he never did that. Like he was never on the ropes. He was never in the corner. He just kind of stood his ground in the middle of the ring and just kind of dictated where Tyson was going. And he used a long guard uh, most of the fight to kind of keep the jab away. And it worked really well. So like Tyson never was able to get the jab off on him hardly at all. And then um, he used his left hook off of his long guard. Like he, like he was threatening the right hand most of the fight. And Tyson was trying to get away from the right hand and he kept walking into left hooks. And he even dropped Tyson Fury in the third round, which was fucking crazy. Yeah, that, um, that's the picture that everybody's sharing like that knock that drop down. Bro, this is a guy where like before this fight, everyone was saying like this is the greatest world heavyweight champion just in terms of like head to head mythical matchups because of his size and 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 you know his um athleticism in terms of like his defensive prowess and stuff like that. And like he went in there with a guy who's never ever boxed in his entire life and got taken to the distance. Like it's fucking crazy. Um yeah, now the, the the copy box stats do say that Tyson Fury landed more. So maybe he, I didn't I didn't personally like score it. Um maybe I should go back and rewatch it, but I felt like I thought Nganu took like six of the the rounds and including the knockdown, I thought that it was pretty much open shut. He won the fight. Even in the rounds where he didn't land as much, his punches were so much more impactful and he was much more the aggressor. And the fact that Fury wasn't able to hurt him in any way whatsoever and wasn't landing any big shots. And, you know, Francis was landing mostly power shots. I thought Francis Ngannou beat him. Like, in my book, I, I think he's the lineal world champion of MMA and boxing right now. <laughs> like, it's fucking crazy. So, um, you know, this is a guy that he had uh, he had a lot of issues from a business standpoint with uh, with Dana White and with the UFC. And they basically painted a picture saying that he was difficult to work with. He was a prima donna. He was scared to fight the best fighters in the world. And he took his ball and went home. They, they treat him like Austin when he left the WWE. You know, yeah. they basically buried him on the way out. And a bunch of, you know, I, honestly, bro, there's a lot of really dumb MMA fans out there. They just eat up whatever the fuck Dana White and, like, the propaganda machine tells them. And they, they literally think that this guy, like, is one of the worst heavyweights in the world. When, in fact, he's the scariest MMA heavyweight I've ever seen. Like, He's fucking iced everybody. He knocked out Kane. He knocked out Dos Santos. He knocked out Stipe. Like he's a fuck. He knocked out Alistair Overeem. Like he's fucking scary. And then he dropped Tyson Fury. Um, I think he's a genius, you know, because there were certain things he wanted from the UFC, whether that was, you know, sponsorship deals for the fighters, uh, managerial representation to help vouch for them, like better you know, healthcare and pay and stuff like that. You know, I don't think that this is a guy that was scared at all. I think that he knows his value and his worth and he wanted more pay-per-view points. He wanted more money and he wanted a box. He wanted to do outside, uh, you know, prospects. And they said no. And he went and took this fight. No one even thought he'd get the fight. Now he has the fight. He made over $10 million, probably more than that. But now, now that he like quote unquote won, even though he lost, there's a rematch on the table. There's a fight with Wilder on the table. 
he, he I could see him getting at least one or two more boxing fights, not to mention the avenue that's opened up with him working for PFL, who just bought Bellator, by the way. And he, there's a guarantee that anybody that fights him in MMA is going to make at minimum $2 million on pay-per-view. You can't tell me that people don't want to see Francis Ngannou fight on pay-per-view now. Like, this is the first time in since Pride Fighting Championship went under in 2000, what was that, 6, 2000, 2007. This is the first time that there is a true, legitimate, big-time MMA draw that could probably draw on pay-per-view outside since like Fedor. Mm, yeah. Because I mean, I don't really want to watch anybody in PFL or Bellator personally necessarily, but if, if Francis Ngannou is going to go on pay-per-view and fight, I don't really know who would, I don't even care who it is. I'm going to probably go watch it or pay to see it. Yeah. He's uh, an incredible fighter to watch. Like you mentioned, super scary knockout power. There's mentioning, you know, they have the punching meter thing in the, the UFC gyms, and he has, like, the high, the, the hardest punch that has hit that thing. And, yeah, it seemed like from all the pictures and reviews that, yeah, he probably should have won this Fury fight. And first time you have, like, a, an, an O&O bo- guy in boxing, no, you know, official boxing match or boxing experience, going in there with the world champion, knocking him on his butt and looking like the, the better man. Yeah, and the UFC do look dumb here because they they didn't want him to box and get owned and then make the brand look bad. But let's reverse it. What if they had let him go out there like Conor McGregor and fight this fight? And instead of Conor getting knocked out by Mayweather, like, you know, the, the UFC world champion went out there and had this fight like they would look like geniuses and he'd be a major, major, he'd be an even bigger star because he'd still have the UFC platform behind him. And then could you imagine the money that would be on the table for a fight with him and John Jones, which is probably never going to happen. And I am wondering how this is going to affect John Jones because that got the ego on that guy, you know, the, the, the entire narrative has been, well, he left because he was scared, but now everybody saw him just, fucking son um tyson fury and there's people that are going to be like you know is john actually the best because tyson fury is a fucking man and i'm wondering if john jones is going to be like i want to fight that guy <laughs> maybe yeah maybe he's the one that can help spark the deal and get nangano back in i don't know what they need to do but like yeah francis is a is a genius at this point and it's funny because i i said that i thought he was doing the right thing at the time a lot of mma fans that i talked to uh kind of ridiculed me and made fun of me and basically said that the guy was scared and i'm like he's not scared look at him like he's a businessman he's doing the best thing for him and his family and it's paying off and you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of what Jake Paul and those guys have done because Jake Paul's about to jump into MMA. He's been fighting all these MMA fighters boxing. Now he's going to do MMA. He's obviously going to lose, but that avenue has been opened up for the cross promotion. I could see some boxers wanting to jump into the cage with him, you know, and, and then him go do boxing again and everything like that. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's it for the questions. Now we'll uh, go on to recommended match of the week. We've had a break the last few weeks, so we'll pick it back up here. Uh, I'm going to kick us off with the excursion match of the week. going to go with uh, Will Ospreay versus Speedball. Mike Bailey from Impact's Bound for Glory. 
Have you seen that match yet? I have not, but I've seen some gifts. I know Dave went, what, five and a quarter or five and a half, something like that. Uh, highest rated TNA uh, match in history now. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah I guess it is. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. Nah, yeah, we should. Honestly, man, let's just both watch it. I'm almost like. I, I'm thinking we should even rethink the format of recommend a match of the week, but you know, I say we both just watch that match and then come back with our thoughts next week. All right. Sounds good for that. So uh, we'll do that. Talk about that match next week. Um, that'll wrap things up for us here this week. Next week, we'll be back to review power struggle and cover all this news in the world of new Japan pro wrestling. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button on the Keeping a Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can follow us at KI Strong Style. Follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Follow the network at Social Suplex on Facebook.com, Facebook.com slash Social Suplex on Instagram at Social Suplex on Reddit. I'm the pro black guy. Just keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Tumowitz. Imps WWE Adventure with the implications of Matthew Mayer. And we've got some uh, new shows coming soon to the network. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.